York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. For a small fee in America. Buying on credit is so nice. One look at us and they charge twice. I have my own washing machine. What will you have, though, to keep clean? <laughs> Skyscrapers bloom in America. Cadillacs zoom in America. Industry boom in America. Well, in a room in America. Andale, 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 andale. Oh, this should be the theme song. For every song about El Paso now that we see. By the way, unfortunately, I am uh, straddled with the crew of Frank Morano. He should be here after Dominic Carter is on from 12 to 1, and then it's the other side of midnight, Frank Morano, 1 to 5, Monday through Friday. So I'm stuck with Matt Blaze, uh, board operator. Definitely a man a few steps ahead of the law. With a name like that, you know he's a fugitive with multiple aliases. I noticed that the runway model Ken is not here. Uh, but Alex, oh, the brown-nosed producer of uh, The Other Side of Midnight. And boy, his his schnoz is right up uh, Frank's tookers, all right. No doubt about it, they swapped out my brothers. And they bring in the McWhitey Whiteys. And by the way, since I'm on the warpath against uh, so many people here who are gold bricks, uh, deadbeat slackers at WABC, you're included, Matt Blaze. Uh, I want every opening to every hour to include that we are broadcasting in the studios of Bernard McGurk. Why shouldn't that be every hour? Hey, look, if other talk show hosts and hostesses think, hey, we had the uh, final uh, goodbye at St. Patrick's Cathedral, bye-bye, and then they don't mention him any longer. No, 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 no. Not my friend, not my colleague. A man who is the uh, greatest of all time, Bernard McGurk, because he combined two very difficult tasks. Uh, actually, it's harder to be a producer than it is a talk show host because the producer always gets the blame. Understand that. Things go wrong. They blame the producer. If things go right, the talk show hosts, the hostess, take all the credit, and they barely mention the producer. Except, hey, go give me a cup of coffee, right? No, 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 no. Bernard McGurk, number one, second and none. I want every opening that I'm involved with here at WABC to recognize that we are all broadcasting from the studios that have been named in the honor of Bernard McGurk. Is that so difficult to do from the imaging guy, Chris Libertini? You think, well, is he, t is that heavy lifting? I mean, the guy's been dead how long, right? It's like, what, we already forgot the guy? Yeah, we got the big nameplate here. Thank you, John and Margot Casamitidis for doing that. But it's important that we emphasize it every time we come to the microphone. I don't hear it enough. I hear it from Sid Rosenberg. Obviously, that was his colleague. And by the way, I will be with him at 7.05 in the morning. You don't want to miss it. Appointment radio, if for any reason, and I don't accept excuses, you can't listen. You get it on the podcast, WABCradio.com. Because now I'm on twice a week in the mornings. 
to be the balance to all the mishigashi of Sid Rosenberg and his friends. You know, their love affair with Eric Adams and how they're throwing Trump under the bus. But tomorrow it's war over who was the best talk radio sports broadcaster of all time. He says Chris Mad Dog Russo because, you know, he already always wanted to be an Italian, always. And I'm defending one tough Jew, Marty Glickman. Well, you don't want to miss 7.05 in the morning. But let's get right down to it now that we've uh, put aside what should have been dealt with. But then again, I'm going to have to keep basically nagging away to get it done because it's the right thing to do. The story beyond any other story now is we're all looking at Wednesday, Title 42, and what we already see is the invasion coming across the border. In fact, they're coming out of the sewer caps on the El Paso side. They're actually pushing up the sewer caps, and there are so many coming across because Papa Chulo, Uncle Joe Biden, said, Andale, Andale, who's your daddy? I am. Remember that? In the campaign, oh, he encouraged them to come across. They keep coming across. Recently, he was in Arizona, south of Phoenix, and the reporter said, oh, you're not that far away from the border. You're 186 miles away. You're going to go down? You're going to go see the border? Nah, not that important. That is obvious. The Biden administration wants the illegal... Oh, what are you... Wait a second. What is Alex doing here? Oh, is he giving me an operational order here from the governor of the state of New York, Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb? Hey, Alex, you can tell her to use this as got tissue paper when she's got a white patookas. What is this? I got to now start calling illegal aliens undocumented non-citizens? Why? Because you, Alex, say it's the law of New York State? And maybe you're forcing it upon Frank Morano and Dominic Carter, who comes on at 12. But what are you so afraid of? Ooh, oh, we might get sued. Really? Lock me up. It'll be the 78th time I've been locked up. What's the big deal? Because Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb has indicated that we have to replace the word alien in all state statutes and in everything we do in New York with the politically correct term non-citizen. Well, you know what? Put me out on a raft in the middle of the Hudson River where I'm halfway between New York and New Jersey. Like they used to have fighters, bare-knuckle fights that were considered illegal. They would do it out on a barge. Put me on a barge. Pirate radio, right? So this way New York can't touch me, and the guy who calls you all a knucklehead in New Jersey, half in the bag, (laughs) Governor Murphy, who ought to be the ambassador to the Vatican because he spends more time at his mansion in Italy than he does in Trenton. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Hey, brown nose Alex, you know what? You tell Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb, Curtis uh, looked at your document looked at the law, and he said, oof, I'm calling them illegal aliens because they are. What is this, undocumented non-citizens? And, oh, oh yeah, there was the other provision, uh, because if you've been locked up, you can't be called an inmate any longer, whether you're in a jail or prison. You have to be called a uh, <laughs> incarcerated inmate. What the hell's the difference? I've been locked up many, many times. Uh, what are you, Chris? Oh, I'm an inmate. No, you're not. You're an incarcerate. What? What am I? An inmate, incarcerated person. Ah, I'm so confused. Anyway, let's get down to it. In fact, uh, finally, Nomas Nomas, the mayor of El Paso. And by the way, understand, 
that we're so used to a city being the shot caller, like we're here in New York City. Eric Adams calls all the shots. You go to that corrupt city known as Newark with Raz Baraka, friend of all fiends, foes, and gangbangers, and enemy of the police, and he's the shot caller. But there are cities in which the mayor is just a ribbon cutter. It's just a ceremonial position. For example, Frank Morano is coming up from 1 to 5. He loves Jerry Springer. Uh, that's right. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. That degenerate dysfunction who now claims that his show led to the dysfunction of America. Thank you, Jerry Springer. But his claim to fame was he was mayor of Cincinnati. He was a natty boy over the Rhine and Vine Street. I didn't realize that at the time when I was starting Guardian Angels there, he welcomed me. He said, oh, I welcome you. I said, well, why is the city council uh, opposed to me? Because he goes, I don't call the shots. I just cut ribbons. It's the city manager that they've appointed who doesn't like you, and he is directly answerable to the city council. Three days later, after I appear before city council, front page headline, Cincinnati Inquirer, Jerry Springer bounces a check to a hooker in Covington, uh, uh, Kentucky, right across the river from Cincinnati and gets busted. He bounced a check to a hooker. And yet Frank Morano says, oh, I got him on redial. I love to listen to his songs in my headphones. Madonna, my. So we think of El Paso that, like, this mayor is the shot caller. He's not. It's the city manager. He had a press conference on Thursday, and the city manager says, you got to declare a state of emergency. The city council said, there are illegal aliens everywhere. They're coming through the sewer caps. Through the sewer caps. And he took the microphone and he dropped it as if he was Alex a- Axel Rose, right, in Guns N' Roses. You know, dropped the microphone, walked out, stormed out. But then he came back on Saturday because the city manager, who is the shot caller in El Paso, said, Hey, hey, buddy, you're nothing more than a ribbon cutter. I call the shots here. You are going to announce a state of emergency, and that's exactly what he did. By calling a state of emergency, it gives us the ability today to be able to do things we couldn't do until we called it, and that's our shelters, and put people in shelters and make sure that they're safe. During a press conference on Saturday, Leeser highlighted the border city's challenge with the expected end of Title IV, in order that allowed agents to rapidly send migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexico border back to Mexico or other countries. The influx on Wednesday will be incredible. It will be huge uh, talking to... Um, some of our federal partners, they really believe that on Wednesday our numbers go, will go from 2,500 to four, five, or maybe 6,000. Yeah, what took you so long? Oh, that's right, he was a Democrat. He wanted to remain on the good side of uh, Papa Chulo, Joe Biden. Who's your daddy? Who's your daddy, he says. No longer to the Mexicanos. No longer to the Guatemalans, Honduras. I know where he's coming from, Belize. They speak English. Notice, it's right down there in Central. They're not coming from Belize. They're not coming from uh, Costa Rica. Where are they coming from now? The three communist socialist countries. They're coming from Nicaragua, the land of Daniel Ortega and his wife. He is president uh, for life. The pedophile on a pedophile, yeah, 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 he is a pedophile there. And his wife is vice president for life. They've locked up all the dissidents. The only one left is the cardinal of the Roman Catholic Church. And they're saying, ah, my little pretty, we'll get you next and put you in our gulag here in Managua. Who last was in Managua helping Daniel Ortega and the Sandinistas in their fight against the Contras and Ronald Reagan and Ali North and Admiral Poindexter? You remember Iran-Contra? Well, of course. 
It was the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, Bill de Blasio, and his wife, Charlene. Remember, they went down to Managua, and they were there to support the Sandinistas who wanted to overthrow America instead of supporting the conscience of Ronald Reagan, even though the way we did it, we violated the Bolin Act, it was illegal, Ronald Reagan could have been sacked, but who came forward to fall on the sword? Admiral Poindexter, who said, I did it. Nobody believed him. Nobody believed him. He was the sacrificial lamb. As Ronald Reagan was beginning to suffer the first waves of dementia and Alzheimer's. Hey, Bush 41, former CIA director, vice president. Did you know anything about this? Uh, uh, I know nothing about nothing. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. The second group of invaders are coming in now from Cuba. Behind the sugarcane curtain of Fidel and Raul Castro. They're pouring in by the thousands. They've decided better to come in through Mexico rather than swim or sail through shark-infested waters 90 miles to Florida. Where, remember, for years, if the Cubans could get to shore, they were welcome. The Haitians, get out of here. Go back. And everybody would say, well, well, how come you welcome in the Cubans? Well, that's because we're in charge here. Haitians, go back to Port-au-Prince. Meantime, the gangs are controlling the streets of Port-au-Prince. So more Haitians are coming across. More Cubanos are coming across. And the number one violators of the border in Texas are from Venezuela, formerly the land of Hugo Chavez, who then dropped dead because he wanted to go to Cuba for cancer, for the surgery, for the cancer he had in his stomach. He actually believed Michael Moore's documentary that Cubans do it better, that their medical care is better. In fact, Hugo Chavez was asked, why don't you go to the hospitals in Miami and New York? Why don't you go to the hospitals in Chicago or Los Angeles to care for that, 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 that cancer that is growing like a basketball in your stomach? No. I saw the Michael Moore documentary. He said the Cubans have better medical care. Where is Hugo Chavez now? In a mausoleum. Who comes every night to talk to him? Yes, talk to him in the mausoleum through a bird. Maduro. Who is Maduro? He was a former bus driver in Caracas in Venezuela, the Ralph Cramden. And he actually goes at night and speaks to a sparrow, to Hugo Chavez, who is embalmed in a mausoleum. This is the guy who's the shot caller in Venezuela, right? That we're buying oil from now, the old Standard Oil Company. That's right, we're buying oil from him. We were going to crush him a few months ago. Now he's like our partners, our business partner. All is forgiven, all is forgotten. Why? Because you got oil. But all the Venezuelans are coming in. So let's see, we got uh, illegal aliens, can I say that? Is Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb going to send uh, the state troopers to arrest me because I refuse to call them what she now says is the law of New York State? Undocumented non-citizens? Too many syllables. It's multisyllabic. It's too confusing to me. Illegal aliens, it flows. So anyway, what are we going to do? They're all coming across. They're from socialist, communist countries. Hey, AOC, all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez leader of the Democratic Socialists of America, the Justice Warriors. How come, if you're a socialist, how come the people from socialist countries are trying to break into our country? I don't see many Americans trying to break into Venezuela, break into Nicaragua, 
swim across the shark-infested waters to Cuba to break in behind the sugarcane curtain of Fidel and Raul Castro. By the way, and then, of course, there's, uh, there's uh, the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams here. In fact, he was that mayor of El Paso just a few weeks ago congratulating, thanking Mayor Eric Adams for having a relationship with him in which Eric Adams was encouraging the illegal aliens to come to New York City. And we're very thankful to um, Mayor Adams from New York that really stepped up to, to help us. And, you know, he did tell me when I, when I spoke with him that there's not a community there within New York from Venezuela, but uh, he will welcome them into his community and then work with them to get them to a community where there is their peers so they can continue to be there, and that's really important to them. I don't understand this. Governor Abbott sent them from uh, Eagle Pass, and then all of a sudden, Eric Adams had, uh, you know, he had uh, all out of, uh, he just, he just, uh, like, melted down. But when they came from the Democratic mayor of El Paso, he had a working relationship with him. He accepted them from Venezuela, even though Eric Adams admitted we didn't have a big Venezuelan community here, which we don't. Could I hear that cut again, please, uh, Matt Blaze? I want to hear the mayor of El Paso talking about how grateful he is to Eric Adams, who openly, like Papa Chulo, has accepted Venezuelans from El Paso at our taxpayers' expense. And we're very thankful to um, Mayor Adams from New York that really stepped up to, to help us. And, you know, he did tell me when I, when I spoke with him that there's not a community there within New York from Venezuela but uh, he will welcome them into his community and then work with them to get them to a community where there is their peers so they can continue to be there, and that's really important to them. There are 30,000 illegal aliens that we're housing now in 60 no-tell motels, Holiday Inn Expresses. 60! A billion dollars, uh, Eric Adams has said. It's going to cost a billion dollars. And Joe Biden, his friend, won't give him any play, won't even answer his phone calls, right? I thought Eric Adams was the Biden of Brooklyn, right? I thought he had juice with the president. I, I thought he was campaigning with Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb. They had a summit last week about rebuilding uh, Midtown Manhattan. Yeah, sure, knock yourself out. They had a few other summits. They're always like uh, two peas in a pod, a uh, soup in a sandwich, a horse in a carriage, right? Do I get into trouble by saying a horse in a carriage with my wife? My wife, Nancy, will be coming up from the animal welfare hour from 11 to 12. As you know, she wants to eliminate the horse carriage industry and replace them with electric vehicles. Will I have to pay the price to all 18 rescue cats who are listening right now from the patriarch Apollo to the matriarch Athena to the senior citizen ARP cat Tuna? Man, it's going to be hell to pay. For saying that, soup in a sandwich, a horse in a carriage. By the way, where did that phrase ever come from? Like two peas in a pod, like a soup in a sandwich, like a horse in a carriage. Where did that ever come from? Why is it constantly said? I know I'm not the only schmuck and putz to say that. What is the origin of that? Let's wake up our audience here. They stung God. What were they listening to the last hour? I'm not going to get into that, Michigash. I wonder why they're asleep. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. This will light them up. Okay, Weisenheimers. You know, I've been limited in how many Curtis Lee with booby prizes I can give out. Only one on the weekend. I guess the inventory is low. For a while there, we were giving out like 25 a program. 
and all of a sudden the warehouse was empty. <laughs> the warehouse was empty. <laughs> we got to wait for some back orders for the new year. So I am only permitted to give out one courtesy of a booby prize for the entire week, and I save it for Sunday nights because it is the end of my Quinella stint. You know what Quinella is, five, five, five shows, starting from Saturday morning, 12 to 6, as I begin the marathon, right? And I take you to the break of dawn. Then at 3 o'clock, I join... Uh, Oh, that's right. Oh, oh, yeah. He had a very good show uh, in the middle there, Anthony Weiner. Actually, two to three, it was all about fentanyl. Hey, he was spot on. Three to four, it's left versus right. And then all of a sudden, I come back, do it all over again, 12 midnight to six Sunday mornings to the break of dawn. Then I come back in the afternoon, three to five, give you the updates of the day, take all of your calls. And now we finish it off with the Quinella, with WABC is standing for always broadcasting Curtis. From 9 to 11, and then, of course, the Animal Welfare Hour with my wife, who's probably going to be pissed off at me that I would use the term a horse in a carriage. What is the origin of that, huh? And by the way, this is the question for the booby prize. Since everybody is stung out out there, they fell asleep. I know why they fell asleep. Hey, probably would have fell asleep, too. It's uh, worse than Ambien and Sominix. I'm not going to say what it is. But anyway, which Major League manager who won a World Series, let me give you a clue, for the Chicago White Sox from Venezuela, pledged allegiance upon receiving the Major League World Series trophy for winning it there in the south side of Chicago. To who? Not to the United States, but rather to Hugo Chavez, his leader in Caracas in Venezuela. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Look, they're dead. They're dead. I got to do CPR. You know, I, you see, that's why I got to juice it up. You know, I get, I get, I come on after some of these shows. My, oh, no, my. It's like, what is it? Sominex? Ambien? What is it? Do they not understand what talk radio is? Do they not understand what entertainment is? Do they not understand that you got to juice it, juice it, juice it? 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Wow. There's a dead audience tonight. Yeah, I, I'm sure they're real busy out there. Oh, yeah, well, we're frolicking out here. Yeah, all these Christmas parties. We're, we're drinking eggnog, spiked eggnog, right? Get out of here. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. And then the schmuck to punch Chuck E. Cheese Schumer, he, like, just broke the egg, right? Forget the yolk. He broke the egg, and he told you what the Democrats always believed about illegal aliens. Wait a second. Hey, look, Alex, every time I say illegal aliens, what are you? From HR here? You're the nighttime producer with your schnoz up to Tuchus and Frank Morano. Please, I got the documents from HR. I understand they want me to say undocumented non-citizens per the new law that was passed in Albany and signed by Kathy Crimewave Holcomb. But for me, it's always illegal aliens. They're illegal. All of them need asylum? They're coming through the sewers. Right? Like, remember, you would hide in the sewers of Paris. Remember all the movies made about that in the sewers of Paris? Guess what? The sewers of El Paso are not the sewers of Paris. I can assure you of that. I've been in sewers before. Not in Paris and not in El Paso. But I've been to El Paso and I've been across the border in Juarez. At a time when there used to be lines going into Juarez. Oh, my God, when it was safe. Everybody wanted to go to Juarez. It was so much cheaper over there. 
Oh, especially the mojitas, right? Oh, yeah. And the ladies. Well, I don't know if they were women, men, non-binary. They looked that way after a few mojitas. You really had to feel your way around to figure out who they were in terms of their anatomical design. See, I'm a bit of a nod on you know, like Sid Rosenberg and Frank Morado. I, I, I got a lisp. I, I, you know, I really can't pronounce that word. I know people lambaste me. They criticize me. They say, what? You can't say narcissist or whatever it is. You know, when you're consumed with yourself. I'm, I'm looking at the HR document. You are, courtesy of it, to refer to them. As the New York law now indicates as undocumented non-citizens or just simply non-citizens. Since you have a difficulty, look at this, it says, since you have a difficulty with multisyllabic words, non-citizen, but please no longer refer to them as illegal aliens. Well, guess what? They're illegally here. By the way, what happened to the 10,000 Ukrainians, the war refugees we were supposed to accept who had to have sponsors? You never heard anything more, right? They told Brighton Beach. They told Sheepshead Bay. They told the South Shore, Staten Island, where the Russians, Ukrainians live. They, they told the Jersey Shore, hey, you want the 10,000 Ukrainians to war refugees? Legitimate war refugees. We see what Putin is doing there. You got to have a sponsor. Now, wait a second. Let me get this right. You, you, you're, having, you're having these 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 bombs dropped on your head in the Ukraine. You're fleeing for your life. You're a war refugee. No, you can't come into the United States unless you have a sponsor. Yeah, but I, I, I see the Cubanos. I see the Venezuelans. I see the Nicaraguans. They come across the border. They're coming through the sewer caps. Can I come through the sewer caps too? Except I'll come in through Tijuana or Nuevo Laredo. By the way, have you ever been to Nuevo Laredo there? Let me tell you something. Coming across, that's the largest truck traffic that comes in. As far as the eye can see, all the 18-wheel tractor trailers, way back there. It used to be that they would bring the 18-wheel tractor trailers and they would have to take the truck, the cab, off of the truck. And then they'd have to switch it to a Teamster from America who would drive it the rest of the way. And then, obviously, NAFTA was passed. Al Gore beat uh, Ross Perot in that debate with Larry King, and now you know the rest of the story. So I cross over to Laredo from Laredo. The Rio Grande is right below, and when you're on the bridge and you're looking down, you see them swimming across. They're doing the Australian crawl. They're doing the backstroke. You say, wow, these Mexicans are good swimmers. They're the ones who are diving off the cliffs of Acapulco, remember? Wide world of sports, the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat. You would see these Mexican guys like 5,000 feet up there diving off the cliffs of Acapulco. Some didn't make it, you know, but they didn't show you that. No, 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 no. So you walk across the bridge, and the first thing you get is a Walmart supermarket of pharmaceutical products. Beautiful, clean, cheap. Hey, you want Roids? Uh, you want Vicodin? You want Percocet? You want Oxys? No prescription needed. You can take it out by the truckload. You're kidding. Oh, it's legal. Yeah, absolutely. And the little uh, little blue pill, Viagra, Cialis, uh, Levitra. Hey, don't worry. Knock yourself out. Then, if you want dental work, you go into town there. They got dentists. Five dollars. They'll give you choppers. They'll give you false teeth for five dollars. And they're better dentists there than there are over here. 
And then there's a place you can go if you have certain proclivities. It is that place, Matt Blaze, that we better never hear that you went. It's called Boys Town. And all the cab drivers know that the gringos come over, those gringos who like little boys. And they say, hey, gringo, gringo. They say, yeah, you're talking to me? Yeah, you're talking to me? You want to go to Boys Town? No, I don't want to go to Boys Town. Oh, you look like you want to go to Boys Town. Oh, you call me a pedophile? Oh, no, 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 senor, please. Uh, in the meantime, you got... You got cops with, with ski masks on, on the back of Toyota, pickup trucks with machine guns because the narco-terrorists rule. Gringo, what are you doing here? I felt like saying, where's your stinking badge? So all these gringos are coming across. They're getting Viagra for almost pennies to a dollar. What is it, $50 a pill here? Over there, you 50 cents, you get a whole handful. And then you go to Boys Town. Now, what are you doing, Boys Town, here? Huh, pedophiles, huh? Yeah, we ought to actually, um, man. Uh, uh, <sighs> but they're coming through the sewer caps. <laughs> you see, that gets everybody's attention. I saw the illegals come through the sewer caps. Oh, we got a problem now. Now it's a national emergency. Before that, when they were just running across, back, backstroking, Australian crawling, the Rio Grande to the American side, no problem. Man, you know, when you come through the sewer caps, that changes the whole dynamics. 1-800-848-WABC as we have finally woken up this audience. It was Stangard. I know why. I'm not going to argue with them. And what the hell? That, that's why I'm here. I'm here to take you to 12 midnight and to Dominic Carter and then to Frank Morano on the other side of midnight from 1 to 5. W-A-B-C. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 W-A-B-C. Don't worry, they haven't taken over yet. Yeah. I know you hear bad money and think, oh, my God, they're taking over our country. English will be a secondary language. No, no, no. Bad money is Puerto Rico. He's American by birth. Remember, they're going to vote for statehood, right? Like they've done like 50,000 times. They never vote for statehood. They always vote for commonwealth status. Never to be independente. Oh, I see uh, Ken, the runway model, decided to show up. Yeah, fresh off the runway, right? You're shaking it, you know, shaking the groove like you had to stick up your tuchus, you know, going up and down, up and down. Nobody walks like that. Nobody walks like that. But Bad Bunny, right? So Bad Bunny is in Mexico City. I have guardian angels, and they tell me he's at the Azteca Stadium. You know, on occasion, Dallas Cowboys would go down there and play the Los Angeles Rams, the old Los Angeles Rams. A hundred thousand people, right? Bad Bunny attracted a hundred thousand people, except... Ticketmaster, like where Taylor Swift went, kaboom. And guess what? The Mexicans who have no money, right? They claim they have no money. They're paying scalpers $900 for a ticket. That's 14,000 pesos. Oh, wait, no, no. Hold on a second. Let me get my advocacy. I wasn't very good at math. 14,000 pesos. Excuse me. $700. Uh, that was the ticket 
master price. The scalpers were selling it for $900, an extra $200 boost. You show me what Mexicans can even make 14,000 pesos. It's worthless. Oh, but they're going to cash out all their life savings, you know, that they have in their their little uh, colonias to see Bad Bunny. Is this not crazy or what? I need more Bad Bunny here, please. Get used to it. It's what you're going to be listening to when you turn on your radio from now on. Yeah, I know, you know, all of a sudden. They're going to have guns to the head of uh, Vinny Matuño. Hey, everything's got to be in Spanish. Oh, okay. You know Vinny. Oh, anything you say. And then Cousin Brucey will say, really? Hey, play the music. And then Tony Orlando, he speaks Spanish already. He's part Puerto Rican, part Greek. He'll say, hey, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. You want me to sing it? He'll sing it. Jersey Joe Piscopo, oh, he's going to have a problem there. Yeah, real problem there, huh? But get ready. Remember, as the uh, wave comes, really, the only tsunami has been illegal. It's not the red wave. That didn't happen, right? That was a trickle. The tsunami is across the Mexican border. How come nobody's coming through the, the Canadian border, right? You would think it's so vast, it's so long. I've been I've been on both sides. You walk in and out. It's the easiest border to cross. There's no drones. There's no gates. There's no sensors. You can actually get on a jet ski on one of the lakes and come right across. No problems. What are you here for? Why are you in Canada? I'm making a beer run for Labatt's. Mall staff or whatever the hell they call that beer. Because the alcohol content is stronger than in America. Oh, no problem. Down in Mexico, oh, what are you doing, carrying fentanyl? Show me your stinking badge, right? This is this is berserk. Everything, we just let it go. The big story, they're coming through the sewer caps. Oh, my God. Things must be bad for them to be coming up the sewer caps. Because people have seen movies, right? Where you have a great escape out of a prison. You know, Shawshank Redemption. They're, they're running through the sewers, right? And rats, right? And all the flotsmen, jets. And he said, wow, they must really be desperate to be coming through the sewers. Like I said, I've been in a lot of sewers. Not in the sewers of Paris and not in the sewers of El Paso. And let me tell you, you couldn't pay me to go into the sewers of Tijuana, Nuevo Laredo, or Juarez. My God, the flotsam and jetsam comes right to the surface. Oh, that's right, Schumer. Schumer has finally explained to us why they are our amigos. They are our brothers and sisters. Let me tell you straight up. You deadbeats and slackers out there, you're not fornicating and copulating enough. You're not You're not having enough children. You know, you should be like the, the Orthodox. You know, the Orthodox Jews have a lot of kids. Uh, the observant Muslims, they have a lot of kids. Uh, uh, oh, that's right, down in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. The Amish, they have a lot of kids. You know, they don't believe in birth control. No Jimmy Caps. No marital contraceptions. Did you hear that, Judge Clarence Thomas? No marital contraceptions. What an idiot he is. So, we just don't create enough. I thought, you know, it's 8 billion people, the world, uh, climate change, global warming. We don't have enough resource. We don't have enough food, right? But now Chuck Schumer says we are the reason that we have to bring the illegals across because we're not fornicating and copulating enough. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not 
reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. You don't even know how many illegals there are or how many they are, right? Time set. Hey, I want more bad bunny here. Don't jip me. Can I say jip? Oh, no. That's considered gypsy, right? Roma people. Here comes Alex. What are you, an extension of HR here? I'm sorry, I said Jip. You know, that's what I grew up. Who knew it had anything to do with gypsies? Then they tell me, oh, you got to refer to them as Roma people. Oh, in fact, don't even mention them. Why? Why? When I was in Moscow Central Station, the gypsies were there. They were surrounding me, right? The women had gold teeth. They had these enormous dresses. You know, they sort of like, all of a sudden, you became obsessed with them. And then the little kids came up, picked your pocket, and ran. They're all over Europe. I saw them out in the dumps, out in Bally Fairmont, Finlock, Kulak, outside of Ireland, right where the airport is. And they have freckles and red hair. Gypsies. Oh, I can't say that. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. I forgot. What was the, uh, the one tchotchke I'm going to get? Oh. I remember. Dave, Dave in Pennsylvania, remind me, please. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Dave. Yeah, you want to know who, uh, who, uh, which White Sox manager pledged allegiance to Venezuela when he won the World Series. That is correct. And I think that wasn't that, I think it was Ozzie Gilling. I'm not sure. Ozzie. He was from Venezuela. No, 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 I know. Hey, look, so was Louis Aparicio, who played was shortstop for the White Sox in the 1960s. I remember seeing him out there at Yankee Stadium. Are you sure it was Isaac Gillian? A lot of ball players come from Venezuela. A lot of good ball players. I think it was, but I don't know. No, no, hold on. You mean you called up not knowing for sure. And now I have to make a choice as to whether you get a tchotchke or not, right? <laughs> I suppose so. I see Gian, <laughs> <Sorry>. huh? <laughs> Maybe it was Louis Aparicio, right, huh? <laughs> Boy, they love baseball. I, I got to give it to the Venezuelans. They they love. They've kept baseball alive with the Dominicans. I, I, I mean, you know, I, I love baseball even more than I love Smash Mouth football. But I got to say, I'll pass a diamond. And here in our tri-state area, the only ones who play baseball anymore are the Dominicans. And then I got to say, hey, it's good. I welcome you illegal aliens here because you've kept our national pastime alive baseball. And I'll get locked up for saying that, Dave. Can you believe that? I can believe it around here anymore. Well, you know what I'm going to do for you, Dave? What's that? Because you sound like a stand-up guy. But you got to pass the litmus test first geographically. What part of Pennsylvania are you from, Dave? Uh, Well, now I'm from, well, I was born in Allentown. Okay, that's good. Wait, wait. We go from Easton to Allentown to Bethlehem and the casino that used to be the U.S. Steel. Okay, we're good. And then where did you go? Well, then I moved a little north to Sladington. 
It's called Slavington, Pennsylvania. Right. I don't, I don't know that, but you know something. No, you, you helped elect Fetterman, so uh, you're already yeah. suffering there. <laughs> you're already suffering there. I don't want to take it out on you anymore. You got a guy in a hoodie who's in the U.S. Senate, worse than Joe Biden. Can you imagine they meet on the floor of the U.S. Senate? They bump into one another. Uh, uh, uh. Yo, Dave, Dave, you vote. Admit it. You voted for Fetterman. You didn't vote for Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz was a carpetbagger from New Jersey. No, I didn't. Well, I didn't want Oz to begin with, but we were saddled. Yeah, yeah, let me tell, let me, let me tell you something about that piece of work, Doctor Oz. So he's here. He's shaking down contributors in New York, right? He's right at Smith and Walensky, sitting at a whole table. They didn't invite me because they knew I would have insulted Doctor Oz because I would have said, mm. "Give up your freaking Turkish passport. You're an American." But they said, "Curtis, don't come." There's Rudy Giuliani, my Kumbarichich. He orders steak. He's cutting the steak. That's why you go to Smith and Walensky, right, Dave? And he mm. he reaches in to Rudy's mouth. He pulls out the piece of steak like he was Rudy's mother. <laughs> Dave, you shouldn't be eating steak, Rudy. Wow. Would you want a guy like that as senator, you know, where all of a sudden, you know, he passes you by and says, take that dirty water hot dog out of your mouth, Dave. But I'll tell you what, Dave, well, I, I'm going to, uh, hey, Ken, runway model Ken, uh, you know, act like you can inhale and exhale, okay? He's looking at, uh, Dave, he's looking at himself in the mirror. He's preening. I got, like, you talk about narcissists. How do you say that word, Dave? Narcissist? How come you can say it and I can't? I don't know. I don't, I, I, maybe I have a lisp and then, I'm, you know, Frank Morano is a narcissist. Uh, Sid Rosenberg is narcissistic. Narcissist. Whatever. Narcissist. Yeah, but anyway, Dave, stay on the line. I mean, hey, uh, this, hey, this, uh, this is a stand-up guy here, Ken. Hey, stay on the line, dude. We're going to give him that tchotchke. It was Ozzie Gian. You see, I, I was playing around with him like a cat with catnip. I hate Ozzie Gian. I hated him. Now, the problem I had is... My father was the oldest of four boys, Polish, south side of Chicago, 46 in Rockwell. Right near then the stockyards next to Bridgeport where all the corrupt Irish politicians came from, like the Daly family. There was Kaminsky Park there, south side of Chicago. And they said, hey, Curtis, you got to come. Hey, the Yankees are in town. Oh, I love the Yankees. Mickey Mantle. So they stopped for a Stroh's beer at a big boy, you know, big uh, pork. A pork dog. And they're screaming invectives at my hero, Mickey Mantle. You bum, you alcoholic, you deserve to break your leg. I wanted to hide myself. There's my Uncle Leonard, my Uncle Smitty, my Uncle Ernie, my father, Chester. Boy, those are Polish names, right? Hey, by the way, I got the last laugh. The Yankees won. Oh, but Chicago had good teams. You know who their you know their manager was? A Cubano, Al Lopez, huh? They had Minnie Minoso. A Cubano that we thought was African American. I never saw a dark Cubano like Minnie Minoso, and that man could hit. Floyd Robinson there, right field. Oh, he was great. Now he fox at second base, man. He would choke up, he could bunt, push bunt. Oh, the fundament I'm in flashback mode here. Oh. 1960s.
Chicago White Sox, boy, they mastered the fundamentals, hit and run, push bunts, Louis Aparicio at short, Nelly Fox at second, Minnie Minosa, man, he hit him a mile, Mickey Mantle, he hit two home runs that day in Kaminsky Park. Hey, what do you, what do you got to say now, Uncle Leonard, Uncle Smitty, Uncle Ernie, Daddy? Watch your mouth. Oh, well, that's right. They got it. I'm on your turf. We're not at Yankee Stadium. 1-800-848-9222. Talk Radio 77 WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. You know, uh, I hate soccer, that fake, phony, fraudulent football they spell with a U. And uh, all the Michigash that went uh, with it, you know, Messi of Argentina, they purposely lost against Saudi Arabia to get paid off, right, with gazillions of dollars. And then Messi told him, hey, don't worry, we'll get into the finals. The fix is in. Like the 1919 Black Sox scandal, speaking of the White Sox, say it ain't so shoeless Joe Jackson it was. He threw the World Series. But if I had to root for a team on the pitch, as much as I hate soccer, it would have been the French. I felt sorry for Macron. He looked like a little boy afterwards crying. His grandmother was there, his wife, right? He was wiping the tears from his eyes. Crocodile tears. Get out of here, Macron. Uh, and then uh, Alibaba and the 40 Thieves were out there with their schmatas on from Qatar, from Saudi Arabia, from the UAE, from Dubai, the money laundering capital of the Persian Gulf and the Arabian Peninsula. And they're all out there. And, uh, oh, yeah, we're all corrupt. We're all corrupt. Yeah, get out of here. American, American pastime used to be baseball. It was when I was a kid. Replaced by Smash Mouth American football because the game has become too predictable, too boring. You know, the average person who watches a baseball game now is like 55. Wow, that matches the average age of somebody who listens to talk radio. Eee, it's pretty it's synergy there, isn't there? That's why we got to get hip here. Oh, we got to go to Mo here. Mo, Mo from Queens. What is this, Mo? What, what, what do you. What, Mo, what is up with you, Mo? I'm doing good, Curtis. I'm your 18-year-old from Key Gardens. Um, first of all, I have a fact check over here. Ozzy Julian did not win a World Series for the Chicago Cubs or the Chicago White Sox. was also in Chicago. I don't think he won a World Series at all. You know, you couldn't be more hopelessly wrong, Mo. You know nothing about sports. I have... I'm going through... I'm going through all the World Series things. Yeah, the right, 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 even win when he was manager. Oh, sorry. He won the World Series and dedicated his win to In what year? Hugo Chavez. Are you, are you doubting that he won the World Series? Are you doubting it? If he won for the Chicago Cubs, the Chicago Cubs didn't win when he was around. No, you schmuck. He didn't play for the north side Wrigley Field Chicago Cubs, south side Kaminsky Park, the Chicago White Sox. Even if the Chicago White Sox, I thought you said Chicago Cubs before, the Chicago White Sox oh, didn't God. even win get when he was this, manager. Get this stunar out of here. And he had somebody behind him, right, feeding him information. I mean, that was like a layup, right? That's like Michael Jordan, right, a layup. 
Oh, my God. Hey, I'm going to be on with Sid tomorrow, you know, Curtis Lee with Super Sports Spectacular. I got the back of Marty Glickman, the greatest talk radio sports guy ever. Not his Mad Dog Russo. Mad Dog Russo. You want to be listening 705? And remember, I closed the week also. I'm like Mariano coming out. I'm like uh, Wagner coming out of the Mets bullpen. Uh, well, both playing uh, Frank Morano's team there. Could I hear that team, please? Because I want to pimp off Frank here because uh, actually, you know, it was the first to have this song coming out of the uh, bullpen was not Mariano Rivera. He stole it from the Philadelphia Phillies guy who was traded to the Mets. Wagner, remember who came out? That was Billy Wagner's team. So Mariano said, hey, I'm from Panama, right? You know, I don't no speak English. I just throw a mean cutter, right? Billy Wagner in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. Mariano in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, every vote. That's right, Jeter. Every vote. Jeter's saying now, oh, I wish in my life that I could have had an opinion when I was with the Yankees. Yeah, because now he wants to be on the Yes Broadcasting team. The guy's the most boring person in the world. Never had an opinion. Never wanted to offend anybody. Like some of my colleagues in talk radio. Oh, that's conceivable. I love you. You love me. He was the Barney of Major League Baseball. Oh, okay. I got an I stole enough from Frank Morano, his team song. He's the third guy to have that song. That's a good song, though. Frank picked a good song. He Mariano knew who to steal from. Billy Wagner, the Mets. That guy, Mo, he he really, he had me going. Oh, the Chicago Cubs. That's my second city, Chicago, right? That's my second city. Let's go to Bill in Congers. Uh, is that in Rockland County, Bill? Yeah, you got it. You got it. Uh, right, hey, man, let me say one thing. Well, one thing. I love Congers because they have All up right. on the light poles dedications to men who served in military service. You can actually yes, read about them. You can see their exploits, some who died, some who were injured, some who are alive. Can I salute Congress right now there in Rockland County? Thank you, sir. I know some of the vets on those posters. I can't believe you went through Congress and saw those. That's uh, that's really great. You, you've been everywhere. Yeah, well, they were chasing me. <laughs> I was getting, hey. I was, I was, I was getting into it up there in uh, Curious Joel, Orange County, with the Satmir, and they were like, oh, "Hey, God. we got to get rid of you." But go ahead, go ahead. I digress, Bill. Yeah. There's a great, great bar, bar in Congress, The Last Chance. It's almost it's, uh, built right after the Civil War. It's, it's great. But anyway, I'm calling a week late, but I, I, I got the uh, the answer of um, the saying, happy as a clam. Yeah, yeah, why, why, had, yeah. Let had, me rephrase. Hold on. Sir. Let me rephrase that. Where did this, this statement, this concept, I feel as happy as a clam? I've never seen a clam who is happy, Bill. Okay, well, I got the answer. I have the answer. Okay, go ahead. All right. The uh, the uh, over the years, the, the saying got shortened. It was originally "happy as a clam in high tide." Now hold your horses, Bill. I've been in high tide. I've been in low tide. When you're in Jamaica <laughs> Bay, when it's low tide, the stink. Oh my God! It twists <laughs> the hairs in your nostrils. You welcome high tide. But I want to tell you, typical clam, right? 
you see all of a sudden the clams are laid out and they're putting progressive breadcrumbs in them before they put them in an oven. You think that they're happy as a clam at that point? They're going to put them in the freaking oven. Yeah, uh, but like the, I'm just the original saying was happy as a clam and high tide. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. No. High tide or low tide, they're going to end up going into an oven with progressive <laughs> breadcrumbs in them. Yeah. They can't be uh, happy. Oh, yeah, put more breadcrumbs on me so I won't feel the heat. <laughs> what a horrible death. By the way, and then people who eat them raw, too. Oh, I'm happy as a clam. Go ahead. Stick me with a fork and eat me. Ah, I'm happy as a clam. You think they're happy, Bill? No, I wouldn't eat them raw anymore. But by the way, one, one by one the way clams. Uh, let, me, let me talk about clams. First. I know clams. I know oysters. Right? I'm not a fisherman, but, you know. They do us a service, the clams. They cleanse the water. We pollute the water, right, Bill, with all kinds of flotsam and jetsam. They yeah. cleanse the water. And then when they're pissed yeah. off at us, they spritz us, if you notice, with water right out yeah. of the clam. <laughs> like, F you. I'm not talking uh, muscles. Yeah, they do that, too. They go, <laughs> oh, there they are. Dig them right here. I'm talking clams when they when they really can't stand you any longer, Bill, because you're talking too much like a kiakara. What does the clam do? It goes right in your face. Hey, real quick, I know you got a lot of calls, but uh, the old bar in Congress that I frequent, I was talking to one of the old timers down there last week, and I said, "Let me ask you something. Have you lived in Congress your whole life?" He looks at me and he says, "Not yet." By the way, you know who else is from Congress, uh, Rockland County, you never expected? The wartime consigliere for the Cuomos, who right now are listening intently at WLI, that's our FM station. FM stands for freaking morons, feeble-minded, fornicating madly, <sighs> Frank Murano and Frank McKay. He's the president of our FM operation at East End. So you have Andrew Evilize Cuomo, King Cuomo II, the son of Mario Facha Bruta Cuomo, stirring the marinara sauce. They've hit the mattresses in their compound with uh, Fredo and, yes, oh, their wartime conciliary. W-A-B-C. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 W-A-B-C. Gonna turn this mother out now. We gotta really amp it up. Man, we were dead there for a while. Oh my God, were we dead. I had to give CPR at WABC. I'm not gonna say to who. I had to get the vibe going, you know, because Dominic Carter is gonna be in the house. He hears this song. Man, he's gonna say, that brother, no, I'm not your brother. He knows how to spin stacks of wax. That's right, James Golden. This is the joint. No, no, not the one you smoke. Not the illegal joint. You know, I know the man's talking about illegal joints and all that. We'll get to that another day. I did that earlier in the day. I completely eviscerated him. You know, what a uh, what a goofball. He gets serious about all these illegal marijuana shops, right? And then he laughs at the end of it. <laughs> like a little kid who just had a joint for the first time. I get out of here. 
Uh, please give me Gwen Guthrie. That's life, guys and gals. So this segment, we're talking about Mamelukes and Mamelukettes. What do I mean? I mean, when I when I go around, whether it's in the urban areas, when I go to the suburbs, just knowing what's out there in America, one in four millennials, that's 18 million people between 26 and 41, are living with their parents. One in four. Could I hear that again? Yeah, she don't want to be going with some guy who's a mama Luke living in the basement of his mom and dad's house. Or vice versa, if you're a female and you're a mama Lukeette. Yeah, stunning figures. One in four millennials. That's 18 million people in America. I'm looking at uh, runway model Ken here. He's uh, looking away there like, you, you don't live at home, do you, Ken? Oh, yeah, you do. Gosh, gold brick. How old are you, huh? Oh, man, get, up, get the hell out of the house. Cut the apron string. Between 26 and 41, moved in with their parents. What? What? Why would you want to be living with your parents? Well, I can understand Italian guys. They're princess. You know, they live with their mothers forever. You can never find anybody like mommy, right? She irons your BVDs, your fruit of the loom. She makes the bed. Nobody can cook like mommy. Nobody will listen to you whine like the little mama Luke you are. But mommy is there. Dad is like, hey, come on. Let's kick him out. No, that's our son, the little prince. Guy is like 68 years old. He's still living at home with mommy. Oh, that's an Italian-American tradition. It absolutely is. I've seen it so much. Again, I'm going to give you these shocking details because most of America are not Italian-Americans. One in four millennials. Remember, a millennial is between the ages of 26 and 41. That's 18 million people in America are living with their parents. There is something wrong with that. And I've talked to some of the parents, and I inquire. It's like, why? You know, please tell me some traumatic story, you know, that all of a sudden, you know, they had uh, an eight-and-a-half-hour operation. It didn't go well, and, you know, it's going to take a long recovery period. I, I, I get that. And then all of a sudden, some of these parents, they don't impose any rules. The kid comes back to the house, and they got an attitude. They got an attitude. And the parents are like, hands off. You know, all of a sudden, the guy is bringing in girls, right? He's like, you know, mom and dad said, please, don't do that here. Go get a no-tell motel Holiday Inn Express. Nah, nah, I'm living here. You know, I got the rights to do that. I'm an adult. You're an adult? Then get the hell out of here. You're not a kid anymore. And I know what it's like, parents. You know, you can't impose the same rules you did when they were under the age of consent. I, I get that. But there's too much of this. Way too much of that. And then they come in and they want more space in the house. 
Right? More autonomy. It's like it's mom and dad's house, and it's like, no, I'm running the show. You owe this to me. What the hell are you talking about? Parents, if you're going to do that, ask for rent. And if they don't pay the rent, kick them the hell to the curb. Don't give them any slack. Mommy, please don't. All you're going to do is you're going to create more mamalukes and more mamalukettes. Much like a tenant with a landlord, right? Parents may have to negotiate a rent, but you hold them to it. I want you to come forward. I want you to confess. If you happen to be a mamaluke or a mamalukette between the ages of 26 and 41 living at home, one out of four millennials in the United States, 18 million people, how are we going to beat the red Chinese? They got no houses in Red China, right? There's too many of them. Uh, one and a half billion people. How many Red Chinese do you think are living at home between the ages of 26 and 41, I ask you, right? Hell no. They're out there working three jobs in factories, three ships, and they're playing with TikTok, you know, because they can play with TikTok. Pretty soon we're not going to be able to do TikTok anymore. It's a nefarious plot. My emperor Xi for life and the red Chinese. You can't do TikTok any longer. Huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Oh, I hit a sore point here. Wow, a lot of parents out there, grandparents, they don't want to kick in on this. A lot of gold brick slackers who take advantage of this, they don't want to call in and say, yeah, I'm 38 years old and I'm still living in mommy and daddy's house, sleeping on the Castro convertible, and I determine what gets watched on the 72-inch big screen TV. Dad worked his whole life. He's got arthritis, rheumatism. He's got heart problems. You know, he's got all kinds of... No, the kid comes back. I determine what gets on the big screen TV. Triple X-rated pornography. The parents are going nuts. And then what, what are you smoking in that basement? What do I smell down there? You smoke? I told you, you don't smoke not a cigar, cigarette, Tipperello, and certainly not that marijuana. Hey, Dad, you know I'm an adult now. Well, adult, then get the hell out of here and get a job. I, I want to say it again. This is stunning. This is why America is weak. One in four millennials. 18 million people in this country of ours. What? There's only 368 million people in America that are legal. Figure add about another 40 million that are illegal. Okay, so let's round it off here, uh, Matt Place, to about 400 million. Between 26 and 41 are living with their parents. Now, are they doing it because they're taking care of their parents? That I can understand. Nope. Very rarely. You know, their attitude is, oh, Mom, Dad, you're having a tough time? Let's see. Uh, now you may have to give up the house, you know, uh, Medicaid. Uh, we'll get you in somebody to take care of you tw- 24 hours a day. Son, daughter, you're living here. I'm not asking for much. I just need you to go to the store for me. Sorry, I'm too busy. What are you doing? Well, none of your business. I'm an adult now. Don't you think you should go out there and look for a job? I'm overqualified. I love that. They tell the parents to grab. I'm overqualified. Well, you can't get a simple job, you know, just to contribute to the welfare, the household. No, they tell me I'm overqualified. What are you, a Ph.D.? 
Buddy, you're a high school dropout. What do you mean you're overqualified? How about a shoe salesman? They're, they're hiring. They're hiring everywhere. I see. Uh, wanted. Wanted. Sign. No, no. It's below. You know, it's there's no dignity in that job. What do you mean dignity? Now, one call on this. See, it's a sensitive subject. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. So let me give you a little parental advice, okay? Because I'm going to tell you what happened to me. Give me that music. I need that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Now, you you have not heard music like this on WABC, right? Because it conflates right into the subject. No money. No nookie nookie. You don't pay the rent. Get the hell out of here. That's from the fly girl. Now, she can say it to the guy, but the guy goes home to mommy. Oh, mommy, please. Can I stay here? Well, you know, you should really contribute to the welfare of the household. We're having a little difficulty, you know, with the price of a home heating fuel oil inflation. Well, I'll see what I can do. What do you mean, see what you can do? What are you spending your freaking money on? FanDuel! The kid is sitting. He's 42 years old. He's sitting on the sofa watching the 72-inch big screen TV and betting away all of his money on FanDuel. You know what I would say? Fangul to you, Fangul. And they do this like, oh, yeah, yeah. It's good that I'm around. I can keep an eye on mom and dad. No, somebody's got to keep an eye on you. So for parents who feel sort of uncomfortable charging their adult children rent, how about this? How about this? Okay, because me, you'll be like, no, you're paying rent or I'm kicking you out, right? And go ahead, take me to take me to landlord-tenant court, right? Go ahead. Take your father to landlord-tenant court, Anthony. So you tell your so-called adult child, well, how about paying for the meals you eat, you moocher? How about that? No, I can't do that. I can't afford that. How about buying your own groceries, right? You know, go shopping. By the way, could a uh, little help from Eric Adams here. He, he's going to explain to you how even if you're not making too much money, if you're sort of down on your luck, could we, do we have his advice on how you could survive three days on a bag of lentils? Do you have that, please? Oh, my God. The swagger man. While we're changing the ecosystem, we have to show people what they can do with where they are now. Uh, you know, people often told me at this journey, well, it's too expensive to eat healthy. No, a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, you can make lentil soup. Uh, that bag of lentil only costs you $3 a bag, and it can feed a family of four for a couple of days. Uh, it's about showing people where you are in your grocery store. You know, in the bar present, we walked around the grocery Get store. Get out of here. What the hell is he talking about? A bag of lentils. I mean, this is these $5,000 customized suits. We buy all of his food, right? And he's telling, hey, don't worry about it. $3 a bag of lentils. You can survive for three days. Oh, you know what? That reminds me of Ron Perlman, the former billionaire. You know, remember, I think he was with Revlon, right? The perfume uh, queen that he was. He got up on the witness stand, a very contentious uh, divorce. Family court with, I think her name was Patricia Dunn. And he was proud in the fact that when his daughter was with him, he fed her a dollar a meal. This guy was a billionaire. 
He actually bragged about, you know, a dollar for breakfast, a dollar for lunch, and a dollar for dinner. Can I hear that again? Eric Adams is going to advise us. As you're ready to declare bankruptcy, right, and end up in a shelter, don't worry about it. A bag of lentils will, you, you'll have a full belly for three days. Uh, you know, people often told me at this journey, well, it's too expensive to eat healthy. No, a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, you can make lentil soup. Uh, that bag of lentil only costs you $3 a bag, and it can feed a family of four. What is he talking about? Lentil burgers? Oh, please, a little more music here. So uh, let me get into negotiate. Ken, since you fit into this category. We'd have to negotiate. All right, I would say... How about helping with the clouds, uh, household cleaning, you know, Mr. Clean? You know, roll up your shirt sleeves, get a little bit of elbow grease into it. You know, a lot of guys and gals, no, nah, that's beneath me. That's slave work. I love it. When I used to hire guys at Mickey D's or ladies at Mickey D's on East Fordham Road in Webster when I was a night manager and started the Guardian Angels there, person would say, I don't do that. I said, what do you mean you don't do that? If you got time to lean, you got time to clean. That's slave work. Oh, yeah, playing in the NBA also. What did LeBron James say that? Slave work, making millions and millions of dollars. Oh, it's like, you know, I feel like a slave. Yeah, I'd like to be a slave. Please, let me experience that life for one day. I'm a white guy who can't jump, right? Please, let me be a slave. How about this, Ken? How about walking the dog or caring for the other pets? You think you could do that? And then they have a habit, right, of inviting people over without asking mommy or daddy or the grandparents, right? All of a sudden, mom and dad come home, and it's like uh, it's like Cheech and Chong there. <laughs> what the hell is going on? Oh, they're my friends, you know, and I'm an adult. I said, what? And then... The parents say, you know, what time will you be coming back? You know, your mother, she gets nervous. She'll disturb her sleep if you come in at an ungodly hour, right? They would always say an ungodly hour. I'm an adult. I don't have to tell you. I can come and go as I please. I kick their ass right out that door. But no, no, especially mommy. No. No, daddy. No, no, no. No, no. And my mama Luke. And my mama Luke at... Now, what about if they're actively dating and engaging in activities in your house that may not necessarily be legal? You know, it's like, what do you do, Mom and Dad, huh? Like uh, creating a laboratory in the basement with a free base in cocaine, right? Uh, you, You know, Junior, you really shouldn't do that. Don't worry, Mom. You mind your business, I'll mind mine. I'm in the basement here. I'm an adult. I can do this. What are you going to do, report me to the cops? And the parents say, no, no, we don't want to do that. Then all the neighbors will know, you know, bring disgrace to our family. Why not have a frank discussion with these gold bricks, these slackers, these deadbeats, and tell them you must get a J-O-B, just like the song says. But all of a sudden, he said, wait, 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 I don't want to be treated like a teenager again. I have to report to you, Mom and Dad, Grandpa, Grandma. And then what about if they return to your home with the little ones in tow, right? They left with no little ones, and all of a sudden, they were popping out 
Did you use any contraception, huh? You got three little kids, and oh, you're coming back to the house. Three little rugrats running all over the place. You haven't disciplined them. You haven't spent any time with them. And then you're figuring that mom and dad will give you a free <clears throat> babysitting service, right? That's why you come home, right? And then you got your Mac Daddy there, right? Mac Daddy picks you up. You look. The parents are looking out the window and they're saying, is that a Lexus Nexus? What the hell is that guy driving, right? What's the Mac Daddy? Why does he call himself Mac Daddy? Don't worry, Mommy and Daddy. I got I got control of this. Please. We already got three of your rugrats here. Don't don't pop another one out. No, no, no. I'm 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 using precaution. You have condoms? Why are you asking me a question like that? Do you think he could uh, abstain from having sex? I can't. You know, I, I, it, it's part of my... Uh, and you put up with this. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And notice, nobody wants to talk about this because they're too ashamed. If they are parents or grandparents, they don't want to acknowledge that they're basically their lives are being destroyed. By these gold bricks. Again, I want to tell you. You don't hear anybody talk about this in talk radio, right? Nobody. One in four millennials. 18 million Americans. That's why the red Chinese will turn us into speed pumps. You know, they're not mamalukes and mamalukettes. Hell no. Between 26 and 41 are living with their parents. And not in a guest house. Oh, jeez. Make sure they have fresh linen in the guest house. No. You know, two-floor walk-up, you know, blue-collar working class. And then the kid goes, I want to live upstairs. That's our bedroom. That's where we have all of our... our Mom and Dad, you can live downstairs. You can live in the living room. Well, well, we got to get a... I, I need my I need my space my my privacy. They use a term like privacy, like you know, like they have a PhD. They should hit him so hard that their mommy feels it right there, Dad. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. Let's go to Steve, who's calling from the Bronx. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Steve. Uh, Chris, let me ask you a question. Uh, about two weeks ago. I sent you two DVDs, Escape from New York and Warriors. Did you ever get it? One second. You sent two DVDs, Escape from New York, Kurt Russell, right? And my my favorite, The Warriors, the cult classic. Did you ever get it? Uh, Where did did you send it, Steve? Where did you send it? I sent it to WABC, attention, Curtis Lewa. Yeah, see, the problem here is... uh, I listen to Frank Morano. You got to listen to Frank Morano Monday through Fridays from uh, one in the morning to five, the other side of midnight. Uh, he no longer has his water bottle or a mug, a Patrick Henry mug. I have a feeling that those two DVDs went the way of his forty dollar water bottle and his Patrick Henry mug. All right. So if I send, I send another one back to you, who do I send it to? Wait on the line. I think until we resolve the mystery of who purloined Frank's water bottle and Patrick Henry mug, uh, stay right on the line. Hey, hey, please, Ken, make yourself worthy. Get Steve's information, and I'll give him a different address to send it to. Can't send it to him, man. You know, it's a major situation going on here. 
a water bottle and a Patrick Henry mug are missing. Oh, God. I say to myself, what's going on here? You know, we got shoplifting. We got boosting. They had a major conference at uh, Gracie Mansion about that in which nothing will get done because the mayor is never going to shame, name or shame anybody. Do you think somebody boosted that? What, what, do you, what do you think, guys? I mean, you know, you could be you. That place. I really think you're a fugitive with all those aliases. You think you got uh, little sticky fingers there? Yeah, just saying to myself, look, those two DVDs, and I I realize they're very special. Escape from New York. That's how we all feel, right? Like Kurt Russell, classic movie, and the Warriors. But I say to myself, God, I know every time Frank Morano looked at that mug, Give me liberty or give me death. And in this business, you don't get liberty. You get death. That's right. You wanted that as a reminder. Let's go to Bobby in Elmont. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Well, good thing he doesn't collect dolls or something. That's really creepy. That's Steve from Manhattan. See, see, Ken wouldn't know. He gets to you. See, you got to have an ear. You got a cauliflower ear. That's your problem. That's Steve from Manhattan who at the end of it goes, go Buchanan, go Buchanan, go Buchanan. You think you could pick that up, Ken? I realize that you're special ed. I realize, hey, look, I'm not saying anything. You're a male model. You go up and down that runway, you know, like you got something stuck up your tuchus, like all those male, female, and non-binary models. Nobody walks like that, Ken. Let me tell you something. When you see people walking in, nobody walks like they walk on a runway. I don't care if it's me, Milan, New York, Paris. Why don't they walk normally on a runway? they got to be bopping up and down. How do I know that a stick isn't put there by the curator to make sure they do bop up and down? Unfortunately, some of them may enjoy it. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil in Suffolk. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Phil. Well, it's great to talk to you again, Curtis. I want to circle back to the great uh, Luis Aparicio from Maracaibo, Venezuela. Uh, the great shortstop. Of course, the 1959 uh, Gogo White Sox. I was nine years old, and I followed that World Series against the Hollywood Dodgers. That's correct. The hated Dodgers that were pulled out of Brooklyn to play Los Angeles, and it broke my heart. But they were a great team, the Go-Go White Sox. And let me just mention that uh, with the White Sox, the owner was a woman, Dorothy Comiskey, one of the few uh, professional women that owned the baseball team. And Aparicio's 1959 salary was $19,000. Wow. And then remember. Aaron Judge can just swing a, just take a whiff of a bat, and he makes three times what the annual salary of the great Aparicio made. You're correct, Phil, and I remember I was five years old at that time. (laughs) Watching it on a black and white TV uh, over at Aunt Mary's Mm -hmm. and Uncle Steve's in Old Howard Beach. Uh And my Uncle Steve, who was a Detroit Tiger fan, he came from Detroit, said, hey, look at this double play combination, Nelly Fox and Louis Aparicio. Watch them the way they turned that double play. It was magnificent. And then Nelly Fox with his cheek out to – he looked like he was swallowing a baseball. He had his cheek out there. And, uh, of course, the great great pitching 
of the White Sox. Um, well, well, you know what anyway. I, I loved about Nelly Fox is he'd lead off, he'd bunt any way he could get on. Uh, he'd do it. He would hit and run. He'd hit behind the runner. He was your classic skilled baseball player that you don't really see around much anymore because they all they're all swinging for the fences. They're all sw- and the White Sox they really they weren't a power hitting team. No, they no. were punching Judy except for Minnie Minosa, who I could have swore to you Phil was a black guy. <laughs> yeah, it's from Cuba. Minnie Minosa was Cuban. Yes, Is that right. Yes. Huh. And remember, the manager Al Lopez was from Cuba. They had these. They had the Caribbean and the Latin American connection. I mean, that was probably the first team that showed us the kind of ball players that could come out of the Caribbean and come out of uh, South America. They were outstanding, and they'd always give the Yankees a tough time. Yankees, we used to, you know, six runs a game, eight runs a game against the White Sox, two one, two one. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we were all great Yankee fans with Maris and Mantle, 60, 61, 62. But you got to remember, Curtis, by the time the mid-60s came around, we lost interest in the Yankees. Why? Because it was Tommy Tresh and the losers. And they became a lousy team. Well, you know what it was? It was a guy named Burke for CBS. They bought the team and they destroyed it. They got rid of Yogi Berra and they brought over... The Cardinals manager who won the World Series seven games against Yogi Berra, right? They bring him over. And then it was baseman Bertha. Oh, God, CBS. They destroyed the Yankees. I remember sitting there, the old Yankee Stadium, before John Lindsay chased us out to Shea Stadium for two years. Yo, they had a rehab Yankee Stadium. It was like Red Barber was the announcer. They wanted him to lie. He refused to lie. He said, it'd be lucky if there were 3,000 people in the seats. And he was right. And they were selling Roy White Canisius. Roy White, the left fielder, black guy from South Central, didn't have a a drop of Jewish blood in him. They were selling Roy White Canisius. Delicious, I might add. Especially with mustard and a little bit of salt. 3,000 people in the stands. Dan Burke said, you got to lie, Red Bar. You got to say they're like 30,000. He said, look, and then he tells the cameraman, I want you to pan and see there's only 3,000 people in the seat. They fired Red Barber. <gasps> Mel Allen, Red Barber. Yeah, Mel, he sort of liked it. Yeah, Ken, he would have liked you a lot. He would have wanted to jump in the hot tub with you. You know, he, hey, look, he had those proclivities. The man, he would announce that Valentine blast there. Mel Allen, that, that Southern Joel, Red Bob, oh, they were great, great broadcasts. That's why tomorrow you got to be listening. 7.05 in the morning, I have challenged Sid Rosenberg. He said, oh, Mad Dog Chris, uh, what the hell is his name? Mad Dog Chris Rosenberg. Oh, no, 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 that's Gemini Lounge. That's the uh, movie coming out in April. Forget, we'll never be able to talk to Sid Rosenberg. He's going to be a movie star there. I, I knew the guys in the Gemini Lounge. Sid can pretend to be like them, although notice he wants to be the Italian, not the Jew. I'm the man. Tomorrow, you got to be listening. If for some reason you can't, you got to go to the podcast. He's defending Russo, originally with Francesa, at The Fan. And I'm defending Marty Glickman as the greatest 
radio sports broadcaster of all time. No doubt about it. One tough Jew. And who's defending the Jew? The Goy, the Gentile here. Who's he defending? The Italian stallion, right? Because he always wanted to be an Italian. Let me tell you, in this age of anti-Semitism, we're talking anti-Semitism. Monty Clickman, let me tell you a story about Monty Clickman. What a, what a set he had on him. He went to Madison High School. You know who went to Madison High School? Cousin Brucey! Yeah, but the schmuck, the putz, Chuck E. Cheese, Schumer, and Bernie the Altacacus Sanders went there, too. Okay, we forget that. He goes to Syracuse University. He's going to the School of Journalism, and he's running track, and he's an All-American. And he works his way onto the Olympic team with his teammate, who's also Jewish, in the relay. And then the head of the International uh, Committee of the Olympic Games comes to the uh, U.S. uh, head, and he goes, look, we got a problem. It's 1936. The games are in Berlin. Tell you how we swap out the two Jews, you know, Marty Glickman and his friend, and we bring in the two black guys from Cleveland, you know, Jesse Owens, the other guy, because... Hitler will be less offended by the black guys running for the United States than the two Juden. Juden, he said. Did Marty Glickman complain? He sucked it up. He said, that's what happens. You're born a Jew. You got to be one tough Jew. Not a Jewish man, a tough Jew. He went on to be the broadcaster for the Knicks, for the Giants, for the Jets. And probably most impressively to me, he was the broadcaster for the weekly PSAL, CHSL, football game of the week in high school on Channel 11. As like in the morning to the afternoon, as a labor alum. You know who his color man was? Elston Howard of the New York Yankees. Oh, man, you looked at that and said, wow. You better believe everybody watching that or participating in football said, Marty Glickman is announcing our game. Elston Howard is down on the field doing color commentary. Does he get any better than that? What the hell did Russo do for anybody? <laughs> with Stephen A. Smith once a week, right? Never trust a guy with three names, right? Remember, I've always said that. Stephen A. Smith, Hollis Queens, thought he was a bad homeboy. He was a poo putt. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's one 800 848 W.A.B.C. W.A.B.C. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 W.A.B.C. I have one thing to say. You better work. Okay, Ken. Take your place on the runway. It's Drag Race with RuPaul. Work it. Work it, work it. You better work, girl. Work it, girl. You You know, it's amazing. uh, Everybody upset with these drag queen hours, you know, reading to the kids at the local libraries. I've said it a million times. Milton Burrow, right? The number one TV show when TV first came about, the guy was always in a dress. So if Uncle Milty showed up at the library and wanted to read bedtime stories for Bonzo, oh, no, Milty, you know, uh, you will influence the kids the wrong way. Stay away. 
And then who was the flip side of that? Flip Wilson. Remember Flip Wilson? Every show address. Now, you don't think they were uh, transvestites, transgenders? And Uncle Milty said, no, no, it was just for show. How the hell could you be in a dress all the time? Even in the Thanksgiving Day Parade when he was on the float, Milton Burrow was smoking a cigar and in a dress. I ask you, I, I, I need a little music here. Pump it up here. That's right. Ask your question. If all of a sudden Milton Berle was making an appearance in a dress in a nearby library when he was the number one TV show in America, and the kids were coming there to hear un- Uncle Milton, you know, read uh, bedtime stories to Bonzo, right? As a drag queen, would you say, no, no, Milton, oh, Milton, hey, put the kid on your lap like Santa Claus. Flip Wilson, right? How many men in Hollywood have done movies in drag? Stallone, Wesley Snipes, the Macho Maniacal. Michael Buttigieg wrote it, Julie, huh? Twice. Not once, twice. Saturday Night Live, remember? Hey, Trump kissed him. I don't know if they were lip-locking. Who knows? And then at the inner circle, you know, every year, every year the reporters roast you, then you roast them back. Hey. Your hopes, it's got to run there. Your nylons, Rudy. Yeah, your nylons got to run in them. I was so embarrassed. Yeah, he said, look, look, everybody's having fun. I don't know. I don't know. Milton, Flip Wilson, Rudy, Wesley Snipes, Stallone. Can I go through the whole laundry list? And what is everybody getting so excited about? Oh, track queen hour. It's so ruin our society. What the hell? When I was watching Milton Berle on TV, what was I, five? Then all of a sudden I decide, you know, Mommy's away. I'm going to go into the bedroom there, into our closet, and try on her Playtex bra. No! Glenn, you people are going nuts! They're demonstrating outside. Yeah, war! Whoa. What do you think the kids are thinking inside? They're looking at all these crazies out there with guns. Drag queens reading stories to kids? That's never happened. What are you talking about? I've caught your fall, right? Oh. I have one thing to say. Yeah, yeah, pump it up, pump it up. I'll caught your fall. How many people have gone to I'll caught your fall, right? You better work. You know who's in I'll caught your fall? Frazier. Hey, 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 hey. Kelsey Grammer, right? Now, we know Kelsey Grammer was a player. How do we know he was a player? Because eh, he was chasing skirts, trim. Got into a little trouble with his wife. So his wife said, you know, from now on, because I don't trust you, and I can file now and give 50% of everything. We live in that kind of state. Kelsey said, please, no, no, no. You got to get a tat. A what? A tattoo. What do you mean? You're going to have my name. Tattooed to uh, your cocktail onions. What? It's going to be shaved. We're going to the tattoo parlor. And in big freaking letters, my name is going to be on your sack. So that if you decide to sin outside of marriage, that woman you're with, or man, or binary, or whatever, is going to see that and say, what the hell is that? 
Next time Kelsey Grammer right, comes on the radio here at WABC or comes to Gristini's to promote his microbrew, ask him about that. Hey, Kelsey, is it true? I'm not going to ask you to drop your drawers and, and see, but, oh, you were that kind of player, huh? And Kelsey would say, yeah, I wasn't going to give her 50%. A tattoo! Where else are you going to hear about things like this, right? That's why you, I know where all the bones are buried and who buried them, right? Oh, boy. Let's go to Helena, who's calling from uh, Westchester. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Helena. Hi, Curtis. Oh, you're a pisser. I adore you. Oh, my God. What are you talking about? They put tattoos on his uh, balls? Yes. He had him done. He had no choice. It was either that or 50% of his uh, worth, uh, houses, equity, everything. There would have been a divorce. Some states, that's it. Once you go to family court, it's 50%, Helena. I think that's impossible. Do you know how painful that would be? Yes. Damn right. Don't even think about it. No, no. But you see, it's memorable. Kelsey and other men who have had that done to them. Not that they chose that. It's nothing a guy would choose. Let me tell you. They'll put tattoos everywhere, even in prison. They'll put tattoos from the tip of their nose to the tip of their toes because he got nothing to do. That's the one area you will never see a tattoo. That's what I mean. Uh, That would, in my mind... Helen, it's also revenge from the wife. You're cheating on me. You're a player. I'll fix you. Come on. Come on, Helen. Look, the pain of the tattoo artist putting that on his three-piece set paled in comparison to losing half of his wealth, which is in the millions of dollars. No, that's that's nuts. (laughs) Which is nuts. Anyway... I know that uh, any guy out there would never allow that to happen. Don't never. be so sure. Even a millionaire. Nah, I mean, never. Helen, Helen, let me tell you something. You get yeah, into a what? precarious situation, you got lawyers. Because remember, you get a divorce. Guess who pays for the lawyer, Helen? Guess who pays for the... You pay through, through the balls. <laughs> That's right, and you pay you pay for her lawyer, and you pay for your own lawyer, so you are screwed, screwed. Trust me, if he gets an idea, right, Kelsey? Because he look, he's a player. We see that. I would have said to Kelsey, "Look, Kelsey, just have saltpeter in the morning in your Cheerios." Done for decades. Done in the military, done in prison, and you will be uh, flaccid as opposed to turgid. I mean, even if you use a little uh, blue pill, wouldn't work. The saltpeter, let me tell you, throughout the decades, works. But when all of a sudden you get hit, divorce papers, and you're in a state where it's 50-50 split, God only knows, he has a very wealthy man. I mean, look, Cheers, right, Frazier, microbrewery, all other things that he's done. He's an extraordinarily talented man, but that's 50% out the door. (laughs) Tattoo uh, artist, come on, let's get it over with. Let me drink a a whole bottle of whiskey. Let me bite, you know, like they used to do in Gunsmoke. Remember, they bring in a guy, 
And who was there? What's her name? She was uh, in charge of uh, the, the, the gin mill and the prostitutes there. And then they had Doc. Doc come and Doc would say, hey, bite on this. You know, he'd bite on a stick and he would do triage right there. He'd put gunpowder in your wound and he'd light the gunpowder. Remember, he'd take a match and you go, ah! Well, you had to get the bullet out. How many of you watch Gunsmoke? Remember that? Miss Kitty, now you knew Miss Kitty. She ran the gin mill, but she also ran the house of ill repute. Who is the uh, who is the sheriff, right? That's the big guy. Remember the sheriff? Oh, he, oh, he was a fan of mine. He actually used to write to me when I'd be on TV, like Len's like, yeah, I admire you. And then who is the doctor, right? Doc was always half in the bag, right? Hey, bring him here. Put him on the table. Hey, card, not the cards off. Hey, we got to do triage. Here, bite this. It would put like a, a piece of wood in the guy's mouth, right? It said, first, drink a whole bottle of whiskey. Then they would take gunpowder, put it on the wound. He'd light it. Ah! Then he'd go in, right? He'd pull it out, and he'd say, you're going to live. Hey, hey, that was great TV, right? I mean, come on. It doesn't get any better than that. You know, Kitty, right? You had that little look in her eye like, what's going on upstairs, Kitty? You know, a lot of women and guys going up, up and down the stairs. Oh, boy. Let's go to Mart, who's calling all the way from California. Cali, Cali, your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mart. Hey, hi, Curtis. Hey, man, um, I was talking to the guy that asked for the phone. I got it kind of wrong, but I've been knowing about you since I was in, uh, like in high school. And um, I'm like 100 miles north of uh, Los Angeles. Uh, it's a town called Bakersfield, California. Oh, I've been uh, a, I've been a Dust Bowl, Bakersfield. Uh, the oh, dust. You have, uh... Oh my God, the <laughs> dust! You go to Bakersfield, you kick up the dust. You come out of Bakersfield, you got dust in your nostrils, dust everywhere. Yeah, and plus it's like 115 during the summer. You know. Oh God, it's so hot. And then you work your way from Bakersfield up to Gilroy, the garlic capital. Oh, yeah. And you yeah, can, you uh-huh. can smell it miles away. You say, "Oh my God, we're getting to yeah. Gilroy." Yeah, you know, Curtis, you're like a book of history, dude. You know, you know, you got the you got the United States map right in your brain. I'm like, this guy is something else. You know, that's why I like listening to you, man. I I got back into uh, I started streaming you back uh, about like a, I guess about uh, almost a year now. You know, I was like, uh, man, this guy is is just worth listening to. I mean. Now, you know, I, I appreciate that because, look, uh, I've told our owner-operator, John and Marco Cacimatinas, I'd say, you know, mm-hmm. we yeah. got to save the people of California because they got horrible talk radio out there. KABC, KIEV, right? They consider that good talk radio. It sucks, right? Am I right or wrong? Yeah, you got that right. I'm like, uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, anyway, I kind of dig on all, this, you know, all the memories you give. You, you bring back to me, you know, like gun smoke right now. You just said gun smoke, you know, uh, you know, Lord Hardy, you know, Bonanza, and you know, all this, all these old actors you can name. And I'm like, damn, you know. Let me tell uh, you, let me tell good. you a time. Uh, I left Bakersfield and I went to Palmdale, where the big Air Force bases in Palmdale, the big supersonic jets. You know what I'm talking about there? I was out there last week. I, you know, yeah. Uh-huh. And I walk out on the runway. 
So they wanted to show me, United States Air Force wanted to show me. It was like 125 degrees in the shade. And, you know, it was the black asphalt. And my shoes melted right into the asphalt. I had to leave my shoes there. That's how hot it was in Palmdale. Yeah. Death Valley's not too far from there. So, yeah. Yep. I mean, and then, you know, from there, you go straight over to Las Vegas through the desert, right? Uh, yep. Yep. Exactly. Oh, yeah. The scorpions are out there. Love it. You wrestle with a scorpion out there in the middle of the desert. Death Valley. That's a man's man. Get out of your car and walk through the valley of death. Death Valley, right? Exactly. It's really hot out there. Uh, yeah, right now I'm at work, man. I just thought I'd call you real quick. Uh, you know, I drive a tow truck. I'm a, I'm a tow man and uh, out of here. Mom, no, no, are you uh, are you doing repo? Because repo is no, up. No, we don't we don't do I, we don't do repo. We just regular law enforcement and regular calls. Good, good. But, but yeah. I, I'm telling you, if you and, ever if you ever decided on site action now because the economy is going south, these guys doing repo they sneak up to your house, your apartment, like three four in the morning, right? Because they know everyone's got a gun. <laughs> they crawl under the car. They hook you up. Then the guy wakes up, comes out, puts the shotgun to the guy, said, what the hell are you doing with my car? Uh, did I make a little noise out here? You're damn right. And you know what they do? Guys risk their lives doing repo, right? Three, four in the morning. Crazy people come out with guns. Then they bring the car or the van or the truck to the parking lot of the bank that holds the note. Then they get their money. And you know what the bank manager does? He calls the guy. He goes, did you wake up? Did you look out the window? Where the, where the F is my car? We got your car. Come on in. We'll figure it out. So the repo guy is risking his life, right? They, they have so many repo vehicles. The bank can't keep it. There's not enough lots to lease. So they tell the guy, you come in. We'll, we'll renegotiate. And the repo guy is looking at him. Renegotiate? Yeah, I sick the dopamine pincher on me. What do you mean? Don't worry, you did your work. You get did you get paid in cash? Don't worry about it. Most dangerous job out there is being a repo guy. When you get the facts, because they still facts. You get the facts. This is where you gotta go, three thirty in the morning. The guy normally goes to sleep at three. And you got a repo, eighteen wheel, track the trailer. Independent trucker out there, he's late with his bills. He said, how, how am I going to do that with my rig? That's your problem. Deliver it to the parking lot of the bank in the morning. The cash is waiting for you. 1-800-848-9222. Talk Radio 77 WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. You can still stand tall. Just be thankful for what you got. Though you may not drive. Dig in the scene of the gasoline. Oh, what a great jam here. What a great jam here. William Devon, 
That's right, Dominic Carter. If you're coming in the house, man, I got the jams for you. And hey, James Golden, you got nothing on Curtis Sleeper. Don't have a car at all, because the repo man just took it away. But remember, brothers and sisters, you can still stand tall. Do a lot of walking, that's for sure. Just be thankful. Hey, be thankful you're alive. For what you've got. Repo man took it all. Diamond in the back, sun top, big in the scene with a gangster lean. By the way, Elon Musk in the news, he is my enemy and he is your enemy, not for taking over Twitter, but because with his uh, electric cars, his Teslas, he has banned AM radios. That's right, no AM radios coming off the assembly lines. Uh, And as a result, since Tesla leads with electric cars, Chrysler, General Motors, Ford, Hyundai, Toyota have followed, and the European uh, car makers. They're eliminating this thing of ours, AM radio. To do that, you're my enemy. I don't care who you are, Elon Musk. You're my enemy. We got to fight, not for the right to party, beastie boys, for the right to protect this thing of ours, AM radio, active-minded radio. See how I conflate the music? It's at that point where I can actually talk over it. You don't hear anybody else being able to do that here. No, it's like two seconds of music. You know, Dick Morris, oh, 1956. Okay, that was good, Dick. Then he goes back to, oh, Hillary's running for president. She's running. Yeah, sure, Dick. Yeah, yeah, sure. This politics thing gives me migraine headaches. Give me tainted Tylenol. I feel like that sometimes. Listening to talk radio is like... Do we find any bottle of tainted Tylenol like they had, remember, in Chicago? Oh, nobody's going to buy Tylenol anymore. They did. What a headache I get. Oh, uh, Trump is falling. Uh, The sanctimonious, uh, he'll be the next president. And Biden sucks. 24-7-365, Monday through Fridays. Thank God the weekends is entertainment. Thank God. It's like a liberation. A real liberation from that political talk that I'm telling you, it's like they must listen to one another. Let me copy exactly what that guy and gal just said. You know, I'll be a parrot. Remember, remember the words. Biden sucks. Trump is falling. He's falling from grace. And the sanctimonious will be the president of the United States. Right? It's like, you think you have a creative idea? Think you could talk about anything more than politics? Well, not really. I just listened to a show. I'm, I'm sort of like copying everything that was just said, like parrots. Anyway, let's go to Eloise in Cali Cali, another Cali Cali call. Your turn to be heard at WABC, Eloise. Hi. Yes, Eloise. Which part, which part of California are you calling from? I'm calling from Oaktown. Oh, Oakland. Yes, I'm calling from Oakland, and I have to tell you, I'm so kind of embarrassed about this, but I seem actually fallen in love with you. And I think if you ever leave Nancy, that you should come to California because I got a bunch of cats, Curtis, and I got a nice house right in the Diamond District. We can live happily ever after, actually. Well, if uh, my keeper here, uh, Nancy, kicks me to the curb, Eloise, you have made... A very strong offer to me. Can we go? Can we take a stroll down International Drive first in Oaktown? 
we can definitely we can go to Holly Street where they all selling crap and they're all selling nuts. We can drive by there. Hey, we could go to West Side, the Acorn Houses there. That's where I met at that time. From the uh, Black Panther Party, Huey Newton, when he was a crackhead, uh, Acorn Projects, right there. We could we could stroll through Oak Town, and then. So I am. I totally follow to you. I listen to you as much as I can, and I. It's your accent and the humor, and I just. I'm totally sprung. I'm, I don't know what to do. I'm totally sprung. I I tell you what, Eloise, you can. You continue to listen because my mission here. As I told our, our owners and operators, this should be a global show. Not a national show like Frank Morano has, national show. It should be a global show because not only do we get calls like we have back-to-back, belly-to-belly from Cali, but we've had calls from Argentina. Thank God it wasn't tonight because I would have had a rain on their parade. Australia, the land down under. We had even a call from Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan the other night. This should be a global show because I've traveled the world, right? See, the Cali people like it because I've been in California. Why? Because they've tried to run uh, me out of most of those neighborhoods. Oh, oh, we're running out of time. Lake Merritt there in Oakland. Oh, my God. They almost had me trapped there. I had to run up the hills. Oakland. Oh, see, you, you folks here wouldn't know what I'm talking about. Lake Merritt. Beautiful place in Oakland. Unless the gangbangers are chasing you. And then it's like, do I swim across Lake Merritt? Or do I not swim? Oh, Animal Welfare up next. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Oh, my wife Nancy and the 18 rescue cats. Are they all listening right now, Nancy? Uh, that they are. They are. There's Tuna, the AARP cat. There's the Patriarch Apollo. There's the Matriarch Athena and all the rest of them. Uh, let me get, let me just give you more props. And, Nancy, that woman reminded you, speaking about Oakland, I remember we flew into Oakland. We had to stay over at your brother's house. He was living in Oakland at that time. And I had serious attacks of chronic Crohn's disease. I could barely, barely lift my head up uh, out of the rental car. And you were driving, and I remember you said to me, what the hell? You know every area of this area in Oakland. Could you please shut up so we can get to my uh, my brother's house? Remember that? Um, except for the shut up part, yes. <laughs> and then uh, you got to know, my wife drove through the floods. There were <laughs> floods in Northern California. We had to be at a Guardian Angel uh, convention up in Redding. She, you... Drove through floods. Yeah, and and what what happened too was the rental car because I rem- I think I remember like last minute they had to they switched the airport. I don't know if it was like because of the weather, so <clears throat> we're flying into a different airport. So where we had rented the car, 
now it's a different spot. And we had to do that when we got in. It's like midnight. And I guess like in an ideal situation, like great weather, you know, if we were like tooling around the city, it would have been awesome. It, it was like a, a convertible car. But here we're driving through like two feet of water in this tiny little thing where you're almost touching the ground. It was, it was like the worst contraption, like the smallest vehicle. Like we could have floated away in that thing. And remember on the way back, even though I was still ill, I said, we got to stop in San Francisco. We got to go down to Bodeca Park. We got to go to Turk and Tower, uh, Taylor. We got to go into the heart of the hood. Remember? Yes, I do. Yeah, you weren't too thrilled with that. Uh, but uh, what the hell? You don't have me in the car because as we're driving along, I'm going to tell you little vignettes about these neighborhoods. Yeah, no, it's, uh, y- yeah, you, you let me know what everything is, uh, you know, based on obviously your experiences with it, but yeah, it's hard to get like a fresh perspective because you're already explaining it before I see it. <laughs> like, I like going fresh. <laughs> well, it's like last week in the same segment, the animal welfare segment, by the way, that is the most listened to, most requested, the most phoned into of the many segments that I do at WABC. A woman in need, she had a bunch of volunteers who care for feral cats at the Queensbridge Project sent the SOS to you and to me. And I was describing, wow, Queensbridge Project in the shadow of the 59th Street Bridge, no, make that the Queensboro Bridge, no, make that the Ed Koch Bridge, is America's largest public housing projects. We used to have a junior guardian angel headquarters there, and then they, and all of a sudden the city fell on hard times. They couldn't give up any of the space. And the woman was telling us of a cat problem. Can you pick it up from there? Because I think we may have, we're on the way to resolving it. Yeah, so um, uh, this is a a group of cats that uh, has has been fixed already. So it's a colony, and they're spayed, neutered. Uh, There's not as many remaining now. And so, you know, the the, the group goes there. Uh, They don't live there, but they go there to make sure that these cats are cared for um, on a daily basis. And, again, whether it's that, um, you know, the the relationships that you have with people – a lot of times when you're doing this, it, it's always it just depends sometimes on the whim, right? So all of a sudden there was this issue, and I, and I don't, you know, again, I don't think it was necessarily caused by what they were doing. It's just there's so many players in this sort of like NYCHA complex. So they started sealing up these buildings, um, maybe like extra protection, I think it was, for like the, the season, but the cat was in there. So, uh, you know, obviously what's been going on initially was, uh, when they were getting in touch with them, there was, uh, you know, they weren't really helping them. And they started to basically just try to do, uh, you know, rescue the cat because that, this is really, you know, the only option they had because they weren't being assisted. And this cat's in there and it had, like, no access to food or water. So, um, yeah, so that that's basically, that was the status of it. And the uh, section where it was, uh, boxed in, cemented in rather, uh, was, you know, had been uh, broken down a little bit, and then the, the thing had been opened. So the uh, good news is that for the time being, um, you know, the cat is not trapped in that uh, location anymore. And obviously, you know, the concern is just that, you know, it would be sealed up again, but there's a meeting, you know, not uh, definitive time uh, just yet, but this week that'll happen between um, the people who are feeding the NYCHA representatives and obviously any assistance, if, you know, we can help with that as well, just to 
facilitate. I don't. I think it's just a question of getting the people together so they're on the same page, really. So, you know, again, you have different people who get into a position. They don't know what was going on before. It's not really a clear explanation. I don't think they have a problem with them. It's just, you know, these miscommunications, and you clear it up, and hopefully there's no issue going forward. Well, one thing you learn from all this is the Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division, uh, there's no bureaucracy. Uh, you give us a problem, and to the best of our ability, since we're all volunteers, we get you some action. Is there a place where people can see the progress? Have you posted any of the information yet? Um, well, actually, I can post it on the uh, – what I'll do is I'll post it on the Facebook um, just to update on the on the progress currently, and also you can see the um, you know how how it looks sort of where this uh, cat was caught in basically, which was about like a few inches of cement, and then beyond the cement was steel grating. So again, it was very um, difficult to you know sort of uh, get that uh, get the cat freed, but you know the you know obviously when these people are very vested in caring for these cats. So like anything, I mean, you have to do what you have to do because time is of the essence. And, uh, yeah, it's good to, you know, I'm glad the cat is safe. Well, great. Uh, if you can post it on guardianangels.org, that'll be great, and then Absolutely. they can track it. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Uh, we hear all the warnings that as we approach Christmas, it could be a, a white Christmas, but they're talking about really uh, real frigid temperatures, like Arctic temperatures. Just as an advisory, what should people do if they're caring for animals who are outdoors? Well, if, I mean, first of all, if they're outdoors and they don't have to be outdoors, certainly bringing them indoors. Um, if you're caring for uh, the, the animals that are outdoors and they live there, so like feral cats in the city, uh, you want to just make sure that the, uh, the areas that they're sleeping are insulated so you know any it's it's you know sort of the thing is if you can put anything out um for an animal that's outdoors where it's going to prevent um you know wind and um you know water from getting on them so anything is obviously is better than nothing but the idea of having something a little more insulated is is helpful so for instance um you know if so you get uh there's some certain things like deliveries where it's styrofoam um containers uh, some people get that if they get, like, meat deliveries or even me medication deliveries. And those things are excellent at insulating outdoor animals, believe it or not, because if you just cut a hole within it, um, they can walk into it, and then their body heat uh, sort of is contained within that, and it stays warm. So, I mean, that's a great thing to do that people may have access to and just not realize they have it already, and they don't have to throw it out, and they can put it outdoors if they know there's an animal staying there and obviously doing something to weigh it down, doing something to maybe, you know, put a bag over it. This way it's not getting wet internally, but things like that are helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, and just and, and also water supplies because when it gets really cold, uh, you know, even if animals are otherwise good at finding water sources, chances are they're going to be frozen. So fresh water um, consistently because water freezes very quickly outside. So uh, supplying just as much fresh water if you know that there's animals coming around. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Glory, Haliaski, hallelujah, I see that the governor, Hochul, has finally uh, signed the law that bans puppy mills. Can you explain what that's going to mean? Um, well, uh, not, not sure, not, not too much, uh, as far as I can tell so far. But, 
so what this what this law that was just signed states is that the pet stores are not able to um, sell for public consumption uh, pets that come from um, you know puppy mills you know like breeders. So this is uh, the you know what they're um, opting to uh, to ban to prohibit. Now this has nothing to do with uh, individual breeders, um, individual owners um, who are selling the pets, and they can continue to you know sell however abused these animals may be. I mean, you know, one of the most popular ways people do get these animals is online, like online sites. I mean, they're not going to physical locations. This is uh, sometimes part of the reason why people are unaware of how bad conditions they are because, you know, it's like there's intermediaries. So it's not banning the fact that these animals can be sold here. It's just saying you can't sell them in the pet stores. And even though it was um, just signed, it won't take effect for two more years. So yeah, I mean, if you were that concerned about it, the fact that it was introduced five years ago, and now you're going to wait two more years to, I mean, you're not really that concerned about the welfare of the animals, clearly. Wow, I didn't realize that. So it's five years in the making. Yes. Finally signed by Governor Hochul, and it won't take in a, into effect until another two years? Yeah, and and basically the only, you know, obvious um, interest that's against uh, you know this law is just the the stores that are directly affected who say well uh, you know how is it that we're going to make our money now so again obviously they have two years to phase it out but they've known about this for a while and also what they're now able to do is they're able to uh, charge animal rescue shelters rent to use the space for adoption so like for instance if there's a um, a dog rescue a couple blocks away and they want to showcase their dog for adoption, now this pet store can rent out the same spot that they were showcasing this breeder dog. And so, in effect, I mean, that's how they're economically helping, uh, you know, this, you know, really small group of people who are directly, um, you know, going to be affected. I mean, I think it's more than overcompensating. And, again, it's just it's, it's too long in the making. Now, you had an idea... I thought it was brilliant with all these empty storefronts that we have uh, in the five boroughs and especially in Manhattan. There's just so many empty storefronts. What was the concept that you had developed uh, in sort of matching uh, animals with storefronts? Yeah, so, uh, you know, with, with this overabundance of empty storefronts, this is a perfect opportunity to really showcase these animals at the city-run shelters because – I mean, one of, the, one of the biggest problems with the, the three shelters that they do have is it's so completely um, difficult to, to get there and to see the animals, to interact with the animals in any way, which is one of the reasons why they don't get adopted in the first place. So, for instance, if it was a, a corporation, if you were thinking about trying to uh, showcase the product, I mean, there's a reason why they have uh, retail stores on the street level so people are looking through these big windows. They're seeing something that they want to buy. They're luring them in. If you're not showcasing animals like that, the likelihood of people falling in love with them and getting to know them is minuscule. So these animals are locked away in these facilities, and that makes no sense. So what the city should be doing at this point, first of all, besides getting animal care and control out of uh, the mix, they should be using the shelter space they have already 
as basically maybe just an intake facility or for medical um, um, you know, emergencies or for care of that nature. But all of the animals that are up for adoption should be showcased in this manner because this is what's going to get them adopted. They're not doing anything to actively get them in front of the pu- uh, public, and that's part of the problem. Well, that's brilliant, and uh, I think we got to push forward that. That's uh, something we could deal with uh, landlords, uh, those who uh, are trying to lease or rent space, because they're going to have even more problems as the economy goes south, uh, finding use for the space. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I see people already. We have a store. Mm-hmm. It's right next to a pop-up weed store, by the way, <laughs> in which they sell animals. That's true. And when they put the little dogs or the cats in the window, people immediately are attracted to them. And then I notice by the very next day, they've sold them all. Yeah, and again, you can walk right into that facility and say, oh, look at that cute dog or cat. And right there, they have the benches, the window. You're interacting with them. When you go to the shelter, it's like you're going to visit an inmate. You know, you have to put in a request. You're waiting on a line. They they shove you into a room 45 minutes from then where you get five minutes to, to interact. It's, it's just so completely absurd how they are trying to adopt these animals out. Now, question uh... – before the lockdown and pandemic of March of 2020, there was a growing uh, phenomenon of cat cafes that were being uh, opened up, you know, by individual owner uh, operators, mom and pop uh, shop types. It wasn't like uh, chain stores. Yeah. W- whatever happened with that? Because I know once the lockdown came, so many businesses just went kaput. Well, I mean, they they still do exist, and obviously now with the uh, regulations uh, being lifted in in a lot of ways, so um, there there still are uh, those places. Uh, I think that's a a great way for these animals to get showcased. And again, it just it it really shows this is the difference between how you're successful or not. I mean, you you should really be following models that work. Um, there's a cat cafe that's located in Brooklyn on Atlantic Avenue, that in the past they adopt out more cats than our city shelter system. I mean, that right there should tell you everything as to why they're doing it wrong and they need to start bringing in people who know what they're doing or they just need to utilize the funds that are going for animal care and start distributing into those places that are doing it the right way because they're not equipped to do it. Not everything needs to be run by the city. Um, We've had the conversation with Central Park I mean, Central Park Conservancy, they came in because the city couldn't do it. I mean, there's reasons why you want different types of interest to manage things. The city doesn't have to do everything, and they clearly can't do this. You know, it should be a great idea for our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, who uh, great talk show host in his own rights, but, I mean, he's the cat man. He's the one, when he ran for mayor in 2013, was the first to advocate for no-kill shelters First, anybody running for office anywhere in the country, and then I just picked up on that when I ran for mayor. Boy, wouldn't that make sense? You have the Cat Cafe, the John Katsimatidis Cat Cafe, right? Yeah, right? Like, just have it right off the deli, and you can have your your, your tea and coffee right there. Yeah, I mean, think of it. Right near Gristini's, D'Agostino's, all of these supermarkets. There's so many empty storefronts, I'm sure... I'm going to schedule a meeting with him. Maybe we could get one set up, a prototype. But that, you're right. There are more cats that are adopted out 
at cat cafes than they are in animal control, the shelters, because we know what happens in those shelters. If they're not adopted out, they're euthanized, they're destroyed. And, and it's a more realistic way to see what the animal's personality is. I mean, by keeping them in a cage for 20 three hours a day and thinking that you're going to get their real personality in a 30-minute visit with the public is not realistic. So you're putting them at a disadvantage because of the way you're showcasing them as well. I mean, there's so much wrong in what they're doing. Another another brilliant idea. I'm going to follow up on this. Boy, I'm taking notes here. I got a lot of homework here. You know, Tuna, the AARP cat, gives me my notes uh, every day. I mean, that cat is all over me. Anyway, speaking of cats, During this week, there was the international day known as Cat Herding Day. I had never heard of anything like that. Can you explain it? Actually, this is funny. Curiously, this has nothing to do with cats. So this is uh, sort of what you've been touching on all this week, these different idioms like statements that uh, mean something, imply something they don't mean. So here, what this actually does is... It celebrates those who can manage others and themselves, no matter what the chaos is that's thrown their way. So, th- so the idiom is like herding cats, because the the idea is they're a class of of beings that are inherently uncontrollable. So, if you're a cat herder, you know how to take a chaotic situation and and be a leader in it. So that's actually what the day is about. <laughs> Now, if you can, we talked about uh, the puppy mills. It's going to take two years before they're phased out. But apparently there's an attempt in the New York City Council to ban pet stores from selling guinea pigs? Yeah. So, I mean, well, uh, yeah, this is because they're, the shelters are running into uh, an overabundance of uh, people relinquishing guinea pigs to them, right? So uh, the idea is obviously guinea pigs, they're a little bit of an impulse type of pet. Uh, people maybe buy them for like their kids and it, the kids grow tired of them and, you know, people don't realize what's involved prior to getting them. And, you know, if, then they just are bringing them to the shelter. I don't want them anymore. So because so many people are relinquishing them, uh, they want to try to stop it at the front end by banning the sale of them in hopes of preventing that going forward. So, again, not sure how well that would work or or not. Um, because, I'm not, cause again, I'm not sure how many guinea pigs are sold as pets versus food even, right? Because I think snakes, right, they, they, they feed them to things like that. So maybe you're just going to have, you know, again, it, it may just lead to some other unintended consequence somewhere else in the animal world. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's the Animal Welfare Hour here, exclusive to WABC. And I see they have a new law that prohibits the sale of cosmetics that are tested on animals in New York. Can you uh, explain how that works? Yeah, so, I mean, this this would be, I mean, it sounds great, right? So it, it sounds great. Um, I... I think there's a little too much in terms of trying to practice to figure out if it's really going to be helpful, but it's aimed at um, newer methods of testing on products that already have been tested on, right? So I guess it's saying like not overabundant testing. Now, how they're going to be able to get into that, um, 
like sort of oversee like the level of bureaucracy that's going to be required because I think testing is really something more on a federal level. So again, uh, I, I'm not sure in practice how good it's going to be in terms of accomplishing an objective. It sounds great, but again, they're not the people who are funding animal research um, for that, I don't think, <laughs> New York State, although maybe they are in some ways. So again, if, if the, the funding and the research continues to go on, I mean, they're not stopping and they're just saying don't sell it here. So, I mean, again, that's always a good way to try to stomp stuff out, right? You can't sell your products here. But, again, I think there's a little too too many working, moving parts that, that they're not in control of. I'm not sure if they're really going to make an impact. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Now, where it is, that we have Elon Musk. He's at war with those that are questioning uh, how he's running uh, Twitter. I'm at war with him because he's removed AM radios from his electric cars and other manufacturers are following now. So that's my personal beef. But I know for a fact that every time you've read about his experimentation with monkeys, it has really, you have been in a foul mood. Apparently, uh, he has uh, incurred the wrath of animal rights uh, lovers because of what he's doing with monkeys. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's over-excessive stuff. Uh, you know, what he's doing, uh, the, the people who are who are actually working and conducting the research, I mean, there have been, you know, have been bringing to light what's going on. Um, and obviously what he's doing is very invasive with the brain, like with this, uh, I guess, this interface he's, he's attempting to create. But, and, you know, again, this is this is just so completely absurd. I, I I don't agree with the animal testing on majority of fronts. I really, I mean, I, I, I'm really hard-pressed to find any justifications for it at this point. But the problem is there's so much money that goes into endowment and research, and the, the places doing the research, it's beyond the pharmaceutical companies. I mean, you have every university who's funded to do this research, and it's and it's really not important to them whether or not it's duplicative or it's really adding anything to society because they're getting the grant either way. So they're going to fund the experiment. The, the problem is there needs to be something that calls off this needless experimentation because that's all it is at this point. There, there's a lot of stuff that isn't being advanced. People are being very lazy in their research, and they're following something instead of you know doing something that could really advance society. They're just falling back on the easy work because they don't want to challenge themselves. Uh-oh. This is what we should be upset about. So he's uh, boy, he's got enemies in the Sliwa household. I'm upset with him because he's removing uh, AM radios. He's yeah. setting a trend. You're upset with him because of his experimentation on monkeys, and neither of them have anything to do with his... New possession is new purchase of Twitter. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, the New York Post had a story about a dog that was mauled to death at Buddy's Dog Den. Can you explain what this lawsuit is about? Yeah, so uh, a family had uh, gone away uh, internationally while they were... Um, they had a dog that the a ten year old um like mini poodle they placed in a boarding uh facility and they got a call midway through their trip that the dog had died so what happened was the apparently the facility all sixteen dogs had gotten out. 
so I'm not sure of the setup of this, but every single dog had gotten out. And when the people came in in the morning, this one dog, this one dog was uh, punctured, punctured lung, and, and they weren't able to save it when they brought it to the vet. But, right, so this, I mean, obviously this is extremely bad. It, it's bad that they had it where, you know, one dog can get out, every single dog could get out. It's, I find it, like, mind-blowing that they didn't have someone there overnight with this many animals. I mean, how in the world are you going to leave uh, this many animals who are unfamiliar with each other and not have that level of oversight? I mean, you could have stopped this thing right away if it was happening. But, so, you know, so the family's suing, obviously, for that. It's going to be difficult because the law views animals as property. So all of the things they're trying to bring to light, I applaud, right, because it makes a lot of sense. I mean, they're family members. I mean, think about how horrific it was that they had to hear about it the way they did. It's always going to be in their head. Anytime they think about this, instead of it being a nice family trip, it's going to be the week that their dog was mauled to death. So they're soup, but, you know, so the case is going forward. But what they want to do, which is actually pretty curious, is they're trying to get uh, video footage and find out which of the dogs was responsible for the attack because they want to be able to report these dogs, you know, so like potentially dangerous. So that's the information they're not willing to release at this point. Our number is 1-800-848-WABC. The Animal Welfare Hour continues. Uh, we'll take your call soon. But boy, this story is like a miracle. A hippopotamus <laughs> swallowed a toddler. Swallowed. The people are looking at this and fearing the worst. What became of the toddler, Nancy? Okay, well, the, the toddler is alive and well. Uh, the toddler was apparently regurgitated. Uh, a neighbor had seen what happened. So this is in Uganda, and they have a like a little bit of a wildlife reserve right there. And apparently it's not uncommon to see hippopotamus. And the curious thing, too, is that they're herbivores. So the idea of eating a person it wouldn't, I mean, you, you can see why it was surprising even there. And so the hippo grabbed the boy head first and had him. And then when the neighbor started hitting him, you know, he basically, so now the boy is fine. The hippo just ran off and left. And, you know, I mean, and what the, the local police are advising, they're saying, look, you know, you live in proximity to wild animals, and there's always going to be the the potential for this to happen. So just be on guard. Now, I mean, think how advanced that level of thinking is as compared to, like, here in the United States. It's like when something potential – I mean, this thing almost ate a kid. And they're like, okay, just be careful. Here, you could have someone just see a bear, and they're like, we got to kill him. <laughs> like, yeah, they're, they're much they, more enlightened there. They, they didn't get enough uh, bears uh, in the hunt, uh, so apparently uh, Governor Murphy has extended the hunt in New Jersey. Yeah, they they extended it because, uh, like you said, they hadn't uh, captured this minimum threshold that they were looking for. So, you know, obviously extending it further into the year. I mean, I think probably a good majority of them would be hibernating now. So whatever stragglers they're getting, it seems kind of cruel. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. We'll be going to your calls on this, the Animal Welfare Hour, exclusive to WABC. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. 
We'll start taking everybody's calls here, 1-800-848-9222. First up, Joe in Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here at the Animal Welfare Hour here at WABC, Giuseppe. Hey, Curtis. I have a question. You were talking about uh, guinea pigs. Yes, we were. Why don't we, you know, guinea pigs are a major source of protein around the world. A lot of people, a lot of island people grow them because they're clean, highly nutritious, and don't spread disease. So instead of coddling the guinea pigs, let's just eat them. (laughs) We don't eat them, grind them up for cat food. Oh, God. (laughs) Since cats are a more advanced species. It just makes no sense when there's not enough protein to let um, something like a guinea pig, which is not far related from a nutria or a rat, a rodent, um, we should eat them. Well, wait, hold on a second, Joe. Um, I digress here momentarily. Um, Nancy, our mayor, Eric Adams, uh, has a solution to protein. Uh, I grew up uh, having lentils. It's part of the <laughs> Italian tradition. This is what he would suggest to Joe and everyone else instead of eating guinea pigs because he does not, he's not a meat eater. He's a vegetarian. So listen. No, a bag of lentils. You can make lentil burgers, lentil stew. Uh, you can make lentil soup. Uh, that bag of lentil only costs you $3 a bag, and it can feed a family of four for a couple of days. So you see, Joe, lentils, protein. No, 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 protein, Joe, protein. The mayor. I mean, I got to give him props for that, right, Nancy? Yeah, I don't know. If, only three dollars. I don't know if you could feed a family of four for like three days. I mean, on a bag of they lentils. have to be very, very small. But anyway, the point is, he is a vegetarian, and that would uh, you wouldn't then have to eat guinea pigs, Giuseppe. Yeah, but that could lead to like a real slippery slope because technically, there's a lot of people who have them as pets. So then someone might say, well, you know, cats got protein, and so do dogs. So the next thing you're going to see them them hanging in the storefront. Yeah, yeah I think uh, uh, Joey was a real Weisenheimer there. Let's go to Larry in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Larry. Yeah, I'd like to comment on a couple of those stories. First, the poodle story. It's a very sad story, but, you know, I, I agree they shouldn't release the footage because the people that left the poodle were the ones that fall. There you you go. don't leave exactly. a little... You don't leave a little toy poodle when you go on vacation in a place where there are packs of dogs, okay? That was their fault. They should have taken the dog with them. A little vulnerable poodle, you don't leave them behind. In a, in a, the dogs were acting like they were in a pack. That's what they do naturally. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if you, I mean, if dogs are going to act like dogs, and, and they're the ones who are responsible to have overseen that, yeah, I wouldn't be releasing that footage either. And also about the hippo story, this, the, the main point of that story is that the hippo shows how smart the hippo is because he knew if he didn't throw up that child, he was going to get butchered. Yeah. And that's just an interesting example of how when animals live with people, there could be a mutual understanding. It's really the exception, but uh, it's an interesting thing how smart hippos are. Yeah, and I guess he, he probably was – he realized th- this kid's like more of an hors d'oeuvre because he's so small. Like maybe he was a bigger person. He might have fought – And uh, just slightly on a political front, we don't normally do this, but I have been called a rhino, Republican in name only. And when you think of a hippopotamus, you think of a very fierce animal. I mean, it's huge, but so are rhinos. And when it comes to the queue at a watering hole, guess who gets out of uh, everyone's way? The hippopotamus and the rhino. All the other animals. 
Yeah, the 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 rhinoceros. Um, apparently, its mouth is so big, it, and its ability to clamp down, it's like ten times stronger than like a human jaw. So it's it's got to be like the equivalent of like a pit bull, like a lock jaw type thing. Once this thing does attach, it's hard to get away from it. And remember, it's got the horn protruding from its nose. I actually uh, got a chance to see uh, a rhinoceros. Uh, in where outside of Cape Town, where we have Guardian Angels, this is where they used to store. They had seven nuclear weapons in South Africa, and the de Klerk administration gave them up in advance of the country uh, reverting to the ANC and Nelson Mandela. They gave up the, the weapons, so they turned that facility into an animal sanctuary. So you have elephants roaming around, giraffes, you know, in their natural setting. And I was able to walk up because they're still in the wild. And I looked at this rhinoceros, Nancy, and I said, man, you don't want to mess with this rhino. <laughs> and all the other animals were avoiding the rhino. Every time we would turn its head and look in one direction or the other, those animals would clear out. You I know mean, what? And, and they're so, uh, like, so stocky that when they they do charge, I mean, the, the the weight they have behind them is just tremendous. Absolutely. Let's go to Rick in Bayside. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, Rick. Yeah. Yeah, Rick. Uh-oh. What happened? Yeah, you're on. Hello? You're on, Rick. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hello. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello? Yes, hello. I'm here. I'm here. Uh, I wanted to back uh, Nancy 100%. On the fact that uh, she uh, suggested those insulated uh, styrofoam igloos for the outdoor cats. My sister did that. And uh, she even threw a hot water bottle or even a a heating pad in there to to heat it up. She had a couple of uh, uh, feral cats that, that were in her backyard. And the weather got really, really cold. Those cats were never left her backyard yeah. for twelve years. Yeah. Twelve years. It's the one of the greatest things. I can't tell you how many feral cats she saved yeah. by those by those uh uh thermos, uh things. She cut a door in yeah. the front yeah. and they would go in there. It it's such a beautiful thing. You know, and when she, when they come out in the morning and you put your hand in, you can feel the heat. That's they're oh, so yeah. insulated. Yeah. It's incredible. Well, now also, uh, uh, Rick and too. Nancy, uh, as we expect a really bad wave of Arctic weather, we won't have it as bad as the Midwest and other parts of the country, but it's going to get cold as we approach Christmas. You yes. have these hand warmers that you put in the cat houses. Can you explain to people how they could get it? Because they stay, they keep you warm like all day. Oh, yeah. I mean, they sell them in a lot of places. So, um, I mean, you can buy them in bulk. I, I see them also in um, uh, Dwayne Reed. Uh, you can get them online. Uh, Home Depot, you know, stores like that. But they, uh, you know, they, they, they stay warm for maybe like eight hours or so. So, you know, again, in terms of putting something in there, I'm I'm personally less concerned about them getting at you know trying to bite this thing open. It helps warm it up so before they get in there, you know, it's already warm. So I'll do that just to start if for some reason you want to make sure that the cats know okay to go in there and then it, you know it dies down after 8 hours or so and then it's not something that would 
uh, you know, burn their skin or it's going to uh, somehow disrupt the internals. So that's something that's helpful to them too. And then they lay right on it because one of the big things that's a problem when it gets so cold in the winter is that there's a lot of times there's that um, mid temperature where it's raining. If the cat gets wet and it doesn't get above freezing. So for instance, that's what's going to happen uh, Christmas Eve and Christmas day. It's going to be in the teens. So once a cat gets wet outside and it doesn't get above freezing, they run the risk of getting hypothermia because their fur is not going to dry. There's no way for it to dry because it doesn't get warm enough. That's a problem. So that's why they need to have these extra things that will help heat them up and hopefully you know, melt anything if, if for some reason they get frozen. Especially also for older cats because they're more feeble in their old age. I noticed that for our AARP cat, Tuna, who's the oldest of the 18, the rescue cats that we have, uh, Tuna loves it when you put those hand warmers in her little condo, we call it, a little condo, a little box. Yeah. And she can't get enough of that. Yeah, I put it in there, and then I put maybe like a piece of paper towel on top of it. Uh, she goes and she lays there. But, yeah, I mean, again, it, it becomes uh, difficult for them to maintain their body temperature when they are older. So, you know, again, and obviously that's true for, obviously especially true for kittens, but as they get older too. So, I mean, Tuna's a small cat. She's very thin. Uh, she doesn't have a big coat of fur. So, you know, all those things, uh, you know, contribute to the fact that it, it is more difficult for the short-haired older cats out there. Let's go to Steve in Long Island. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition, exclusive to WABC, Steve. Curtis. Curtis? Yes, Steve. <laughs> Uh, well, all right. So I called you the other about crypto, but I have a question about guinea pigs. I feel really bad. Don't be mad at me, but I had to feed a snake once, a guinea pig, because me and my friend used to breed snakes, and the snake was, like, sniffling. It wasn't – well, we didn't know why. My friend said it has to eat, but it won't eat rats. So whoever was, had the snake before us, I think they were feeding it – he said cleaner, cleaner animals or something – so we had no choice but to get a guinea pig yeah. and feed it to the snake. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, but uh, I mean, like, oh, yeah, were you, um, when you did that, did it mortify you, or did you just see it as, like, a food thing? No, it didn't mortify me. I just kind of felt bad because yeah. I felt like, I, my, my question is, is a guinea pig's, like, more intelligent animals than rats, or... Because I kind of felt bad and guilty after it because they're pets. People get them as pets. And uh, yeah. my yeah. my friend's like, no, we have to do it. They, whoever had this thing before us, because it was a 10-foot-long albino Burmese python, and it ate the thing right away. And it was – my friend said yeah, – I, I, I would pets. say, Steve, I've seen people with guinea pigs, uh, and they really befriend them. And they are – rats are very intelligent. Don't – do not – I mean, do not think that rats are not intelligent. Look, we have a mayor who has uh, dedicated his life, as he has said, to destroying rats. He's afraid of rats. He's obsessed with rats. He's looking for a rat czar. He's tried everything. He's tried to drown them. He's tried dry ice. He's tried increasing the pesticide levels. There are more rats than ever before. Because they're able to survive. And Nancy, I don't think people understand. The rats, at times, are able to avoid the glue traps. They're able to avoid the, uh, what I call the uh, snap traps, which are, to me, very barbaric. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they figure it out. 
I don't know if they, from rat to rat, and they become immune to the pesticides and, just like human beings. And they're definitely smart enough to sniff out cats when they're there and know I'm not going to go to a place where cats are because I'm going to be dinner. Yeah, so even though we, we they hate, like the mayor hates rats, I don't hate rats. I look at them and I see how they survive. I see that they outsmart human beings many times. You know, all of a sudden I've noticed there was um, two days ago, there was a um, exterminator who came. He had all of his equipment in the back of his car. He had a station wagon. He's been doing this for 12 years, and he was on call. And I said, well, you're in battle with rats and mice. He goes, Curtis, you would be surprised how smart they are when I lay the traps down, how it's almost like they have a divining rod, and they can tell. And he goes, I have to be really creative where I put these traps out and how I put them out, because it's almost as if they communicate with one another how to avoid them. Yeah, and, and the the evolutionary uh, cycle for them is just so quick, because the only ones that are going to stay alive are the ones that know to avoid it, and they breed so quickly, so that's why you only have the, the smart ones left. <laughs> so we really do have the very uh, super intelligent rats at this point. Well, there are eight, they estimate eight, Street rats for every one citizen. And remember, most of them are below ground, and they're nocturnal. So most of you are not going to see them. But I'm telling you, when I'm walking around at night, they're everywhere. They are everywhere. And we have always advocated feral cats is the best line of defense. Wherever you have outdoor cats, you will not have rats, mice, and rodents at all. They will stay away Likewise, if you have indoor cats uh, like bodega cats or you have cats in the house that are domesticated, those rats, mice, and rodents are going to stay away. It's it's mother's nature way of controlling those lairs. Yeah, we don't have anything ever in the apartment. It's a big deal if something maybe flies through the window because that's the only entertainment they get in terms of something like that. But Nothing nothing will try to even broach the apartment. And you can tell that they know something is there because they'll be staring at a wall. and They'll be staring somewhere. It's almost like they can sense that something might be outside, and if it's coming in, they're going to get it. That or in the walls itself. Yeah, exactly. I exactly. Mean, they're, they're, they have a cute smell. They see better than humans. Their instincts are like they, they're ready at a trigger's notice to pounce. Anyway, uh, Nancy, if people would like to get in touch with you uh, and you want to keep them informed of more of your activities as director of the Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division, how can they do that? Uh, well, they can visit uh, guardianangels.org and go to the Animal Protection tab, or they can email me directly, uh, nancy at guardianangels.org. And you'll be posting uh, the updates on what you're helping the people do in Queensbridge Projects, America's largest uh, public housing facility, to help the feral cats uh, and to allow Mother Nature to uh, prevent uh, the rats, the mice, and the rodents from taking over that public housing uh, project as they have done for so many. Our numbers, no, no further calls because... Guess who's uh, coming on in? Dominic Carter from Pomona in Rockland County, where even the lawn jockeys are white, and we've got a black and white question for him. 
Remember what Stevie Van Zandt said to Sid Rosenberg on Friday? He's going to regret saying that. Maybe it's the the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. And I've heard a lot of stupid things. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You can still stand tall. Just be thankful for what you got. Though you may not drive a great big Cadillac, diamond in the back, sun top, digging the scene with a gangster lead. Yeah, the white Big Mac Daddy's in the house, Dominic Carter. William Devon. See, it's an old blast. You, you like that? Like what you know about this, Curtis Lee? Oh, man. What you know about this? I remember when I was pumping gas at Rocky Shell Station. I put this in my boom box because I was the night manager. And I'd say, oh, coming on in with a Cadillac. You got that sunroof top digging the scene of the gasoline? Hmm? Yeah. You got to have a game for this, Curtis. Oh, hell yes. But the reason I also play this, I'm at war with Elon Musk, not over Twitter. He's got enough uh, enemies over that. But he's taken AM radios out of his Teslas, and now Ford and General Motors and Chrysler have followed, and Hyundai and Toyota and the European manufacturers. They're, They're removing AM radios. There's no reason to do that in their electric cars. You know, it's like that. No, that's war, man. That's that, that thing of ours. That's war. It's sad. But on that note, um, I happen to have uh, been on the show with Sid on Friday at 7.05. And then later on, he had on his very dear friend, Stevie Van Zandt, Schmata Boy, you know, who's with Bruce Springsteen, East Street Band, Sopranos, very creative. He's had his own radio shows. He's done his own uh, TV programs. But he tends to skew a little liberal, a little progressive. And then he said something that I said, oh, my God, I'm going to save this. I'm going to put it in a genie's bottle and play it again and again and again. My problem with society is we're not dealing with the fact that, you know, why do we have black neighborhoods? OK, that, 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 you know, that, that, that should be the first discussion. OK, what 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 caused society? to have black neighborhoods. I mean, the first, you know, the biggest scam ever perpetrated on the black population was telling the black population that black neighborhoods was their idea. You know, the, the black, the, the hood, you know, the, the, the black community, you know, it's not their idea. We shouldn't have black neighborhoods. When, when are we going to invite black people to join the rest of us in America? That's what I want to know. So right away I'm saying to myself, here's a guy born in Massachusetts, came to Middletown, New Jersey, uh, about 90% white, upper-middle-class neighbor, uh, neighborhood. Your average income now about $125,000. a little steep up there, right? I don't know where he lives now, but I know it ain't Middletown no more. <laughs> you know, Springsteen, Rumson, you know, one percenters. So how come he ain't inviting black people to come living on his land or nearby, you know, with his neighbors or vice versa? Go to Newark. Go to Patterson. Go to the hood. Mm. Why not? Mm. 
Well, I, I don't have any problem, Curtis, responding to this, but but we do understand that everyone is entitled to an opinion, right? Everyone, right? And we could spend the rest of our lives, you and I, responding to what some fool happens to say, uh, give or take. Um as someone who is of color, um, I disagree with his assessment. Uh, the, the, one, people live where they feel comfortable. And and oftentimes that's with those that are similar, you know, to the background that, that you may have. Italian-Americans living with Italian-Americans, Jews living with Jews, uh, blacks living with blacks. And it's also a matter of economics. There are so many things that go into play. What else did he say? I'm trying to remember everything. Well, the, the big thing was he felt that, you know, people shouldn't be separated. They should live together. And I'm saying, well, you're a man of great wealth and equity. Mm-hmm. Why not invite them in on your land, parcel it up, you know, have you, a subdivision? You know that's not going to happen. Why? One, you think the neighbors uh, where he lives might complain? <laughs> One, we don't even know if it's legal uh, for him to do so. For example, I couldn't divide up my property. And oh, say, well, that's right. You live in White Landia, then Pomona, <laughs> where even the lawn jockeys are white in Rockland County. I, you know, I could seriously, I couldn't, I couldn't divide it up. One time, Curtis, I lit, I, I dare. You know, how sometimes you have um, uh, leaves and so yeah, on, and, yeah, and sure. wood and so on. And so I was off to the side of the house, and it was just a little, little uh, bunch of it. I said, I'm just going to burn this and get rid of it. The mayor ran over. You can't do that. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry. He says, you do understand I'm the mayor. And I almost started laughing in his face, to be honest with you. I said, sure. Um, and so, I, you know, so the, the, you're limited. But you and, you and I both know that these celebrities would never welcome anybody different on, into, the, into their own home. I mean, come on. I don't even know why we're discussing this. This is what you. I want you to do. I want you what to you test to it out with the mayor in Pomona. Bring a car. Take the plates off. Oh, boy. Park it <laughs> right before the garage. You know that mayor will be there within like 10 minutes. You cannot do that. This is not a junkyard. Who do you think you are, Red Fox? You know that's what he's going to say. Um, I'm not exactly sure what he would say, but uh, I'm, I'm not going to push it. But, but, but back to the original comment. You know, people live where they feel comfortable. The, the the sad part for me is I don't understand why some communities have to look the way that they do. That's the part that bothers me. And I'm talking about protecting and, and beautifying your own community, having respect for your own community where you live. That's the issue with me. Now, what do you got coming up here, uh, Dominic Carter? Because I'm going to be listening intently. You're always listening, folks. You should know when Curtis sleep when he says he's listening all day, he's not joking. He's going to walk out of the studio, go into another studio, uh, kick back in the chair, and go to sleep. Do you have your morning segment with Sid coming uh, up? Yeah, well, I'll take a few hours. But I'm listening to you for the full hour because you always have some good stuff that I'm going to steal. You know how comedians steal jokes from one another? You know, they write them down on the napkins. I steal stuff from other hosts and hostesses. Well, we're going to be talking about your homeboy, Mayor Adams. Boy, is he in trouble. He screwed up. Remember when the migrants came in? Oh, 
I'm going to have this commissioner there to meet you. Welcome to Nueva York. Remember that? Oh, I remember. Remember? Remember city commissioners going to greet the buses coming uh, uh, migrants. Now the city is in deep financial trouble. City services are about to be cut. The mayor says the city can't take it anymore with the migrants. What happened to his very dear friend, Kathy Hochul, who he helped get elected governor, and he said he's the Biden in Brooklyn. Yeah, he did. I guess the press ain't giving him no play, not answering his calls. Mm, that does appear to be the case. So we're going to deal with that. And also, uh, the January 6th committee is in all likelihood going to recommend, which is ridiculous, criminal tra- I know you're not boys with Trump, but criminal charges against Trump. Uh, by the way, you have any of his trading cards, Dominic? Uh, <laughs> I got about five in my pocket. Why not? Which one let's do you flip want? them. Let's, let's flip. You do flipsies, heads, tails. You know, got your trading let, cards. Let, let's flip them for a profit. It's all Look, about the money, man. Dominic, the money. All these guys got to go. Trump, Biden, <laughs> they got to go out with the old, in with the new. And by the way, love you, man. The other one who's got to go, the Pope. He's eighty-three, right? He's celebrating. Oh, Argentina. You love Che, not JC. Retire, retire, all of you.